0: What is the one quality that you possess that makes you
1: think that you can walk out here and come into the ring and face the very best in the business? Ruthless aggression.
2: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Era of Ruthless Aggression podcast. As always, I am Tyler. This week, Theo couldn't be here, so Theo decided to tag in my lovely wife, Michelle. Michelle is a pretty good replacement for Theo. She has a little bit more experience watching pro wrestling than he does. She's not as big of a newbie as he is, but uh, I think it should still be a pretty interesting episode. That being said, why don't you take the opportunity to kind of explain your experience with professional wrestling before you met me and then since you've met me and now with doing at least this episode of the podcast i don't know if we'll get you to come back for another one It just i guess that depends how this one goes
1: yeah absolutely so hey everybody my name is michelle so i didn't have much experience with professional wrestling before tyler i saw bits and pieces here and there when i was with my ex his family was huge into it i just never really paid attention usually played on my phone the only pro wrestler i knew at the time besides like the big ones like steve austin and like john cena was roman reigns because he was my ex-sister-in-law's like favorite wrestler but now i'm definitely starting to get a little bit more into it tyler makes fun of me because i am a huge triple h fan and we have no idea why just,
2: just why why where did it come from <laughs> it it i don't know dude just out of nowhere it just came like i Started showing her that, like, 101 greatest matches or matches that everybody needs to see or whatever. And we watched a few matches and, like, I guess we just went on, like, a tear of, I think, I honestly, do you want to know where I think it comes from? Is I think it was the first wrestler she recognized that she didn't already know because she had seen more than one of his matches. So that it just, like, automatically became her favorite because she recognized him when she would see him in different matches. She'd be like, Oh, is that Triple H? I'm like, Yeah.
1: Like him and Ric Flair are very memorable for me. Uh there are very few that I actually like pay close attention to, I guess. But for some reason I absolutely love Ric Flair as well. He is a fantastic showman.
0: <laughs> He's
3: all about the razzle dazzle.
2: At least I like at least I've trained her in like if she's going to enjoy professional wrestling, at least I've trained her correctly to like respect the right things, instead of her just being like, "Yeah, my favorite professional wrestler is the Hurricane." You shut your damn dirty whore mouth! <laughs> Fuck you! Gonna say?
1: Hey, I just, I just saw the Hurricane for the first time last night. So he is a beautiful, beautiful he man. He might be on the list now. <laughs> I swear to God.
2: He's a man, that's for damn sure.
1: I mean, considering that I've come into this like absolutely not having much of a background at all, like I'm kind of not brand new, but like dipping my toes in the water kind of thing. I honestly used to find wrestling super corny and like extremely fake (laughs) and now i'm actually starting to enjoy it because i see the work that these guys put into it and i see like i see the mechanics behind it and how much they're like the way that they move together and i know that they like practice this stuff to make sure that they're not hurting themselves and others who are in the ring it's just it's kind of cool to see it like not in person but like on screen like that it's it's cooler than watching like a movie
2: I can definitely see where you're coming from as far as that's concerned. I mean, I guess for me, I I, even like when I was a kid, I refused to accept that it was fake. But once I like grew out of that phase and like realized what it really was, I still refuse to say, like, it's fake. I still, to this day, like, I will make the distinction it's not fake, it's predetermined. So, like, the best way that I can explain it is, you know, people will go to a Broadway play that they've seen a million times. People will go watch a movie that they've seen hundreds of times and still enjoy it. But for some reason, when they go to a professional wrestling match, or even if they watch one on TV their first instinct is, well, that's fake. And I'm like, okay, do you only watch, like, documentaries and the news? Like, is that your whole life? Because I feel sad for you if that's how you live your life. But just because you put drama into something and you do make it, you know, for lack of a better term, this is a male soap opera. And I'm not ashamed to say that and to say that I've been a fan of that for almost 30 years. (laughs) Yeah, you're old. Motherfucker, you ain't that much younger than me.
1: You need to watch your tone with that old shit.
2: Yeah, I got
3: two years.
1: I am 31.
3: I am
2: 27. (laughs) I'm a baby. Great. At least you're the oldest one. And that's an even smaller baby. At least you're the youngest one on this pod, or you're the oldest one on this podcast. I was the oldest one on the last one because Theo's like 12.
1: I'm 31. 30 31. He's not I'm, 30, he's
2: 28. I'm 28. He's, he's 30. I'm 20. He's fuck 30. you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you are
2: 28 adjacent. You are 30.
3: <laughs> she is a baby. She's back there, 25. She's still got all her youthful vigor.
2: She's still older than Theo. Theo's 23. Yeah. Theo is the age now, after having, Theo has been in the Navy for five years, he is the age now that I was when I joined the Navy. And in case you guys couldn't tell, we have one of your favorite uh, people in the world coming back for another episode. We have the black guy, Taron. How are we doing?
3: I'm doing good. And as I stated before, it's not racist. You can say it. Okay. I give you permission.
2: One of these days we're gonna to get to Ron to do the uh the black guy rant on on uh the call and I'm gonna record it and I'm gonna cast it out to the world.
3: There's there's so many. There's so 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 many. And there's
2: <laughs> There's so many. All right, now that we've welcomed the team for this week. Let's get started. This week we're going to review Raw from May 13th, 2002 and SmackDown from May 16th, 2002. One thing that I did forget to bring up last week, the day prior to Raw from last week, the day that they announced that they were going to switch over from WWF to WWE, was also the day that the infamous plane ride from hell happened. I just wanted to set that up and establish that. I know Michelle has no idea what the hell that means, but eventually, hopefully you will. Got a clue. But, Taron, keep that in mind uh, for later, just so you know. So, without further ado, let's get started with the review, if you two are ready.
1: Ready as I'll ever be. <laughs>
2: There we go. All right, this week's Raw coming to you live from Toronto. 17,752 fans sold out in Toronto. We are right in the heart of Hogan country. This is not North Carolina. This is not South Carolina. We are not in Flair country. We are in Hogan country this week, which has always confused me why Toronto or like Canada pretty much in general is Hogan country, like why they love him undyingly for some reason, but I think I even saw a sign, it was either on Raw or on SmackDown, that said, this is Hogan country, so at least they also acknowledge it, like, makes me kind of happy, but one thing that I wanted to talk about was that, the information that I just gave you, I didn't look that up, I didn't, like, have to do, you know, a Google search, I didn't have to look it up on Wikipedia, whatever. JR gives you that information right off the bat, and it's something that I've always liked about some of their intros. And I like I distinctly remember JR doing that all the time. Didn't matter what the show was, Raw, SmackDown, a pay per view, whatever it was, hundred percent JR. That's how he opened the show. How many people are are here? We're live. This is where we're at. How many people paid? If they're sold out or not, whatever. That was always his go-to opener for any show he was doing. He liked to give you history facts
3: before the show even started.
2: Yeah, just right off the bat when like as soon as the music was stopped. That that's how he came up. He's just super high energy. We talked about that last week. Super high energy statistician type announcer. And then he would pitch it over to King and they would talk about what's gonna happen. These are the matches we have on, on tap for tonight. And then talking about certain segments that were going to happen that they were looking forward to, people that were going to be there, whatever, to set the the mood. Unless they did, like, a cold open where it's just like, boom, music stops, and then we're right into the action. If somebody comes out and they're going to do, you know, a promo beforehand before we start the show as far as wrestling is concerned. but. This week, we started with Brock versus the Hardy Boys. Two-on-one handicap match. Uh, I made some notes on the match itself, some stuff surrounding it, but let's, let's do things a little differently this time. Let's, let's get Michelle's explanation for what happened and like her point of view on things before the two idiots who have been watching this their whole life just take <laughs> off and leave her behind.
1: Uh, so I'm not a hundred percent sure what all went on. Cause like, as I was trying to take notes, I kind of did my, you know, ADHD space off.
2: <laughs> Let's get Michelle's recap of what happened. All right. I'm not entirely sure what happened. <laughs> Wasn't really paying attention.
1: <laughs> okay. Three, there were three dudes in the ring. They were all doing their thing. And then all of a sudden. Brock was
3: DQ'd. Ooh, strong <laughs> wrestling man fighting other wrestling squirrel.
1: Uh,
2: yeah. Alright. Um so that's how a non that's how a non-professional wrestling fan sees this match.
1: But I'm try I'm trying to remember. So Brock Lesnar, he was DQ'd because um Heyman pulled the ref out of the ring.
2: Good job, baby. You did correctly remember that. (laughs) Doesn't remember a damn thing about the match. I also remember
1: that Paul Heyman also uh, challenged for a handicap on Judgment Day as well. uh, Brock and Heyman versus the Hardy Boys.
2: Yep. Good job. You just successfully skipped about 15 minutes of the show.
1: Yep. (laughs) Everything else. uh, there There was other things people people on the rope and <laughs> falling and it was a See, good time that's why this it podcast is
2: so great cuz you get like i guarantee you she's going to have like very in-depth notes by the end of this about like the the angles <laughs> some of the angles and like some of the storylines going on you ask her about the matches she's like yeah this is this is what happened there's this guy and this guy and this guy won and this is how <laughs> Pay attention to the match?
1: They did the thing, and then one of them won.
2: (laughs) All right. So let's go a little bit more in-depth. Let's go a little bit more in-depth than there were three guys in the ring and Brock got disqualified. So this is Brock right after he debuted. Like He's brand new to the company. He's still doing the whole, the next big thing. That's like his his gimmick is just he's the next big thing. Him and Heyman working together very closely. Always love to see that. This Always lo- before talking Brock. Yes, he did not talk. He was strictly just a big guy, big muscular guy who didn't do, like, didn't talk at all. Didn't do the talking.
1: Also, can I just mention that Brock is also from Minnesota like myself? He's not so. from Minnesota. He's not from Minnesota? This is
2: no. bullshit. No. He's from, I think, South Dakota.
3: Same thing with Shelton Benjamin.
1: Oh, my family's from South Dakota. Brock, Brock went to the University of Minnesota.
2: They both went to the, the University of Minnesota. They were both on the wrestling team. Actually, Shelton Benjamin, who you did have no idea who he is yet, Shelton Benjamin was the assistant coach on Brock's team. And maybe this is the first effective segue ever. Speaking of... The Golden Gophers. Jr. continues to bring up the fact that Lesnar is a two-time NCAA heavyweight champion. Walks around at 295 pounds. This is a big dude. Which actually, that's that's lean compared to now. When he walks around now, he walks around at like I want to say like 305 or 315 or something like that. To the point where
1: I think 315 sounds right.
2: So. The The reason I remember that is because when he was fighting in the UFC, the cutoff for heavyweight was like 285. Like that was the most you could weigh as a heavyweight. And Brock had to cut weight to make heavyweight. So he would have to cut like 30 or 40 pounds of water weight. Just sauna, sauna, sauna. Don't drink anything. Don't eat anything. Just cut weight. So much to the point when he would step off the scale After the weigh-ins, they would stick an IV in his arm so that he could rehydrate because he was so dehydrated before the fight.
3: According to Google, it says that Brock is actually smaller than when he debuted. He is 286.
2: Really? Really? Wow. I mean, that makes sense. I've seen him lately, and he does look a lot smaller. He looks a lot smaller now. 286
3: at three or at six three.
2: Yeah. I mean that made like I said, that makes sense. He's a tall dude. He is a big dude. But like it does make sense because if you see him now, he looked like he's lost mass. Like he's still stocky and he's still a big dude. Oh
1: Brock was he built like a brick shit house. He
2: looks like he's lost weight. Um, he looks like he's just smaller. It looked like he doesn't work out as much as he used to, so he doesn't have as much show muscle. But that was actually one of the points I wanted to bring up, is, like, JR routinely brings up the backgrounds of these guys and, like, what they did before they were in the ring. Like, they they acknowledge that these guys were not born WWE superstars. They were, like, they did things before they were here. And then they came here because they wanted to do this, because they wanted to make money doing this. Or because they love the business. But mostly the the first one.
3: Yeah, because money.
1: Money runs the world.
2: One thing that I noted down, especially for this match, Brock works like a big man. And it, it's it's refreshing to see a big man who works like a big man. As opposed to, I'm a 350-pound dude, but I want to make it seem like I'm a fucking cruiserweight and I want to do all this flippy shit. Brock works like a big man. Brock works like, I am a big muscular dude that's going to throw you the fuck around this ring. And you can't do anything about it.
3: And doesn't go down easily. Unfortunately, what they did with the fucking Big Show, who we see later. But... It- later on in all of his matches and i think even some now he he doesn't do a lot of flippy shit he doesn't done any i that would be absolutely fucking terrifying if you saw that man coming off the no top rope. no no
2: no 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 because at the wrestlemania that we're they're working towards for the next year because it's already past wrestlemania this the past wrestlemania they were at was wrestlemania 18 which means the one coming up is WrestleMania 19 where he has his match with Angle where he does a shooting star press and lands on his fucking forehead. Yeah.
3: I don't know why. Gives they... himself
2: a grade three oh, concussion. Yes. I don't know why they, why they told that man to do yep. that. They didn't. They told him not to do it. They specifically told him, don't do it. And he's like, yeah, fuck you and did it anyway.
1: Brock said, do it, do it, got it, do it.
2: <laughs> but for a
3: long time, That was one of Brock's staples. Mm -hmm. I don't know why that
2: night he just missed.
3: In OVW, he
2: used to do it all the time. This is just that night he just missed. Yeah, it was crazy. I think it was because he hadn't done it in so long. He wasn't like, it's just kind of like a ring rust thing. He just, maybe that was it. Maybe that wasn't it.
1: He lost muscle memory from it since he didn't do it anymore.
2: Yeah, But... A a lot of big men, they
3: give the, I'm a big guy, but little guys can overpower me, even if it's only just one, and can knock me down. Yeah, Brock, his early debut, he was, fuck you, tried to kick me off my feet, I dare you, because you're not going to be able to. So, that was the... It takes a lot.
2: So, that was the thing, is like, they... They made him do that, but they kept pairing him with, like, really, really small guys, which is what you should do if a guy is bigger. So, like, the fact that he's being paired with Matt and Jeff doesn't surprise me. They're smaller guys. It makes him look insane. makes him look huge. But by the time he starts wrestling, like, normal-sized guys, when he wrestles guys like The Big Show, when he wrestles Angle, when he wrestles Hardcore Holly... He's not doing the whole, oh, you can't knock me down thing. He's wrestling a normal match because it's a believable opponent for him. It's a guy who is the same size as him or, like, similar to him that, yes, Brock may be way fucking stronger than him, but the guy can still knock Brock down as opposed to the point of the, like, the point of them pairing him with Matt and Jeff is Matt and Jeff should not be able to knock Brock down. They're like two hundred and five pounds like soaking wet at this point. They're not huge. They're both still pretty lean. So Brock is like gonna eat them alive. That's the whole point.
3: And to to that effect, I feel like during this time they did squash matches a whole lot better is that that's all this was this was to get Brock over and it was a squash match but it was done in a way with superstars that they already had that it wasn't unbelievable that they could possibly come out with a win but it wasn't ah well this this is just a throwaway match to show how strong he is like they do now where they take some local wrestlers or some extras from a uh promotion that they don't do and throw them in the ring, have like five minutes of them getting thrown around, and then the match is over.
2: It was a squash match, but it was it was a squash match, but it was believable, if that makes sense, right? Like it it was believable that the two of them paired up together could effectively hurt Brock mm-hmm. and put him in jeopardy. But then he ultimately made it a squash match by running through both of them, and the only reason that Brock lost was because of Heyman. Yeah. Which gives them a believable win in that, like, Heyman's trying to protect his guy, but they still get the win because of the rules of professional wrestling. Yeah. So making it more believable and setting up, as Michelle said, Heyman got Brock disqualified and then challenged Matt and Jeff to a handicap match at Judgment Day, and then said, "No, you know what? Since you guys want to be tag team specialists, it'll be you, the two of you, against Brock and me." And then uh, Matt accepted the match for the both of them, and obviously sets up their their match for Judgment Day. The one thing that I did want to talk about that we kind of touched on, but like. I just wanted to bring up this particular instance because I had to replay it so that Michelle could see it because she was, like, scribbling her notes. And I was like, you need to see this. After Brock gets disqualified, Matt and Jeff take off out of the ring and they're, like, doing the, you know, they're selling. They're saying, you know, I'm I'm, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. And Jeff is standing just outside the ring, like, leaning up against the apron. Brock reaches over the top rope, grabs Jeff around the throat with one arm, and pulls this man from the floor almost over the top rope into the ring with him, did I mention, with one fucking arm. That is how fucking strong Brock Lesnar is at this point in his life. Yeah,
3: because in another quick Google search, well, in the same Google search, they say that his strength is, uh, I believe he benches at this point right now. Mm-hmm. Back then, I, it, it might have been more, but right now he benches 665. So that's not unbelievable because Jeff was only like, Ooh. what, 195, Jesus. 200 pounds yeah. back then?
2: Like a th- a third of that literally a third of that
3: yeah so he he he's big strong boy
1: yeah so if lesnar is benching would you say 665 mm-hmm. now
3: imagine what he was doing when he was in his prime.
1: holy shit
2: i don't wanna <laughs> remember theo's comment from last week where he said like i don't care what your gender is Whatever it is, Brock should make you feel like less of a human. That's absolutely correct. Like, Brock makes me (laughs) feel like less of a human just by existing.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Like,
2: the things that this man does just offhand and is just able to do make me just feel like I am not anywhere near a quarter of this man's full potential when I am... Exhausting everything I have,
3: and then the the one other thing that I wanted to talk about about this match specifically before we move on to my favorite part of Hogan coming, I would <laughs> we'll get to that um, <laughs> is the
0: the botches in this match.
2: Oh my God! Yes. So okay, hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Into uh, hold on, we're gonna. We need to make this a rule right now. If we use industry terms or if we use insider terms, we need to translate into civilian for Michelle because she has no idea what we're talking about.
1: There might there might be some that I know, but if I don't know, What's believe face? me, I will ask because or you will. Sorry, say she knows baby
2: face. Baby, she she knows baby face and she knows heel. Okay, she knows that offhand because I asked her. She legitimately, we had this conversation. She said like baby face or heel one time and i was like how the fuck do you know what that is who told you that? who are you and what have you done with my wife
1: we were watching that show heels oh. when we were at your parents place a while back and he was like how do you understand what face and heel is he's like i where did you yeah. learn this who's, who's teaching who's you giving these you the things secrets. and i'm like you you are <laughs> indirectly the one show the one show that I could hear over you and your father.
3: But no, the botches in this match were absolutely gross. <laughs> I think the most noticeable one was the
2: The Jawbreaker.
3: Yeah, the jawbreaker yeah. that they tried to they tried to commit like three times and failed every single one.
2: They didn't try to do shit. Brock tried to do it and it just did not work. <laughs>
3: Brock said, I am big man and I will do it when I am ready.
2: Yeah, like Brock just wasn't having it. Sorry, I I I misspoke. Jeff tried to do it and Brock just said no thank you.
3: And then the combined frog splash leg drop, I mm. pretty sure Matt missed entirely. I don't know if he if he missed or he clipped the top of Bro- of Brock's head with his thigh. But either way, it was it was not good.
2: I think he missed um, because I watched it back again. while Michelle watched all of these last night and took her notes. And I was rewatching because I'm like, ah, I might as well just like I've already seen these. I've already taken my notes, but I might as well like fresh it and like refresh my memory. And I glanced back because I was making dinner while I was watching it. And I saw that and I was like, oh, yeah. And, yeah, Matt just – I think he just completely missed the leg drop. I think Brock sold too much too early, I think.
3: Yeah, he's – because the frog splash hit first, and he Mm. he oversold that part, and then he lifted up, so he completely missed the leg drop.
2: I think that's everything – oh, just a – Personal thing I think was cool. Uh, JR mentions the Midnight Express uh, because Matt and Jeff hit a move, and JR's like, Oh, yeah, Shades of the Midnight Express. I thought that was cool because you don't get shit like that anymore. You don't get guys that like mention tag teams or like people from like way, way back that didn't even really spend a whole lot of time in WWE. So Michelle has her hand raised.
1: So I'm going to throw this out there. (laughs) (laughs) Teacher. Um, pick me (laughs) so um, like I was saying to Tyler last night when we were watching this uh, I don't know how Paul Heyman hasn't given himself an aneurysm with how fucking hard he goes into these microphones of just it's spit flying everywhere there's like a vein in his forehead popping out and I'm like dude you need to just like take it down a peg or two you're gonna kill yourself
2: and I told her that was like the uh I guess that was just kind of his big his big thing his that was his gimmick was he was just like super high energy and almost seemed like he was coked out. He just
1: that's what I was thinking, yeah,
2: just all over the place this is this is
3: completely different <laughs> way down the timeline, but I just that tidbit just made me think of perk angle. Oh my god. Him and TNA. (laughs) Oh my god.
2: This man is just... Everything this man does is just super intense for no reason. He will drink... You know how... Kind of sidetracked. Okay. So, Michelle... I'm not giving away secrets to anybody who knows you and it helps explain the story. Michelle is autistic. She is on the spectrum. And... We have started watching, or, like, we've watched uh, this Netflix show called Love on the Spectrum. If you haven't seen it, it's actually a really cool show. It's a really good show. There's an Australian version.
1: Absolutely watch it.
2: There's an Australian version, and there's an American version. Well, in the American version, there's a guy, I think, isn't it, the guy with the long blonde hair. Is that James? Yes. There's a guy on there who, because of his flavor.
1: Flavor? His his like level of the autism. I th- I think we broke black guy. <laughs> but stick
2: with me, it gets better. Um, be because of that, because of his level of autism, he does everything like super aggressively. He like breathes aggressively. He talks aggressively. He walks aggressively, and like this. Is like, that's how I can explain to her, that is what Kurt Angle was when he was perked out of his fucking mind when he was in TNA. This man was taking, like, 65 full-strength Vicodin a day.
1: I'm sorry. Right. 65. How many?
2: Six, 5 a day. What
1: the fuck? Okay.
3: And he still, to this day, claims that he was never Perk Angle, you fucking liar.
1: How is this man alive? That's more that's more Vicodin than house takes.
3: <laughs> that's why he
1: what was out the there fucking fuck?
2: on 27 Yeah, every night.
1: God damn.
2: This man would drink a glass of milk and you would think he was going to fucking murder you by how aggressively he drank that glass of milk. Segways are non-existent on this podcast uh just
1: what are those
2: (laughs) we tried to make segues on the last one it didn't fucking work so we literally just in between segments we're just like yeah so that happened and then we move on like that's
1: awkward silence okay segue into the next (laughs) yeah i mean i'm
2: gonna edit out the awkward silence anyway so it's fine
1: you don't want like 30 seconds just of sensual
2: just...
3: breathing. That's all it is.
1: <laughs> no. Because
2: I have to listen back, and none of you have to listen back to this in its full entirety and, like, choose what stays and what doesn't. Y'all just get to, like, hear the final product if you want to. Michelle didn't listen to the first podcast. Michelle's not even going to listen to this one, and she's on it.
1: That You think I'm going <laughs> to... No. Here's the thing. I'm not going to listen to it, one, because... I know how Tyler can be. I hate the sound
3: of my voice.
1: That too. I, that, would you let me speak? This is about me for a hot second. <laughs> like, I hear Tyler speaking enough throughout the entire day that I don't need to hear a podcast too. And then also the sound of my voice just nails on a chalkboard.
3: But it's good. It's good. Because then you can just smash the, the, the good parts together.
2: Yeah. Believe me, I know. That's why it took me nine hours of editing for each episode. Well, each part of the last episode. Alright, so let's rein this back in. Let's get this back on track. Wonder why it takes us five hours to record. Next up, a little bit of uh a little bit of Ric Flair and the NWO, the newly formed weird version of the nwo in the back this is where i brought it up earlier this is where the repercussions of the plane ride from hell start to become apparent so flair claims in his little speech with the nwo that he fired scott hall because scott hall couldn't get it done at WrestleMania against steve austin when in all actuality scott hall was fired because of the plane ride from hell
1: Okay, so what is a plane ride from hell? I'm so sorry.
2: We we are not gonna get into that on this, but we will be here for Okay. So all you need to know
1: I'll ask later.
2: <laughs> they were on a European tour. They were on a tour in Europe. They got on a plane the last day of that tour. A bunch of wrestlers got on a private a private plane. It got real fucking weird, and a lot of shit happened. And after that, a bunch of people got fired. They got, like, released. They got sent home. They got disciplined. A lot of shit happened. But because of that. It was just
1: a very bad time.
2: Yes. Bad times were had by all. But because of that, Scott Hall got fired. So now he is completely released from the WWE. They make the lie that it was because he couldn't get it done at WrestleMania with Austin. Flair also mentions that Nash is out with a bicep injury and then he comes on he goes on to mention that there will be a new member of the NWO that he will announce tonight and it is so new and it is so fresh, and it is such a surprise that the guy who's gonna be their new member doesn't even know that he's gonna be a new member. Any side conversations or comments about this short forty-five second clip in the back with Ric Flair and, as Theo called him last week, "smallpox."
3: No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think well, uh, was it was it this week or last week that they actually finally brought up why he has Kane's mask? I couldn't remember if it was this week or last week.
2: It was in the main event of last week's Raw. Because I wrote that down. I was like, I was very, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me like why he was walking around with Kane's mask. And then they waited until the end of the show when they had the six man tag that they brought up why he was wearing it. And I was like, oh, cool. You couldn't have just brought that up the other Four times he's been on TV tonight. Okay. But then we have, uh, we go to commercial, we come back. Flair and Big Show go down to the ring. Michelle lost her mind for the first part of this promo because Michelle likes hockey because she's from Canada Light. So (laughs) she just like lost her mind at all of this stuff that Flair was saying. I have no, I don't watch hockey I've the closest I've ever gotten to, the closest I've ever gotten to watching hockey is watching Shorzy on Hulu.
1: This man, Ric Flair, he disrespected the Maple Leafs. That is not okay. Still
3: have no idea what's going on. Um, the only reason I even know about hockey is because we have a hockey team. That's about
1: it. That's about it.
3: I don't watch hockey. Only reason I know it exists is because the Blues, and that's my home team. That's about it.
1: So, I grew up Minnesota, Minnesota Wild. Not a great team, let's be honest. (laughs) But, I am very loyal to my teams. It's also why I'm a Vikings fan. Yeah, I know. You don't need to give me any looks, I know.
3: It's okay, I don't have a team anymore, so...
2: Oh, yeah, the Rams moved out, yeah.
1: <laughs> the Rams said, See, I,
2: We don't have <laughs> a team anymore, and they're on. trying to replace them with a soccer team. <laughs> football.
3: Yeah, and they said, we're going to trade out your football team for a football team. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> football.
2: What's <laughs> wrong we'll <start> with that? <laughs> sounds, it sounds the same. It's the same thing, right?
3: Not at all. Not, not at all.
1: No, no, no. But circling back here. So my uh, grandfather, on my mom's side, came over from Norway, if you couldn't tell by the very pale complexion that I have. Irish. Um, Also Irish. Norwegian, German, and Irish. But no, he came over from Norway, and for some reason, the team that he fell in love with for hockey was the Maple Leafs, so we are also very big Maple Leaf fans in my household, and I am disappointed in Rick Flair for disrespecting my team. How dare you?
2: So after he talks shit on the Maple Leafs and says uh, one of the most accurate things I've ever heard in my life that he is a sixteen-time world champion, so that makes him fifteen times better than the Toronto Maple Leafs. He brings up the point. Of the the whole promo. Uh, he starts talking about Austin. And how Austin disrespected him. And he tried to be Austin's friend. And all this different stuff that we didn't watch. So I cannot confirm nor can I deny whether or not he actually tried to do any of this. But he then says at the end of the promo, people have been saying that I am abusing my power. I'll show you guys an abuse of power. And he makes a match for himself against the champion, if you can call him that, uh, because he never carries around the championship. But he announces that there will be a match between himself and Hulk Hogan, icon versus icon for the world championship later on tonight. Everybody, big pop, you know, throw the babies in the air. Everybody's super excited. Then, Teron and I talked about this last week. I don't know if it really stuck with you because you didn't really see a whole lot of him enough to notice unless you wrote it down. And I didn't know the next segment has Hogan in it and Hogan just never wears the world title. He's the champion, but never wears the title.
3: The champion of nothing because he never wears it.
2: No, because I feel like the champion of nothing would be somebody who has a belt, but like didn't win it and doesn't defend it. Like you are the champion of nothing. He's just. Not the champion if he doesn't wear the belt, right? Like that's not that's how does that work? Only
3: in not. I can't even say not only in promos because he doesn't wear it in those
2: either. No, he doesn't wear it ever. Uh, We cut to a commercial after that and then come back up we have a little back and forth vtr from the back we talked about this last week as well heat velocity you know these two b shows actually affect the main roster shows and because of something that had happened i think it was on heat was it on heat or was it earlier in the night that they had this conversation in the back.
3: I think this was on heat.
2: I think I think it was too. Didn't write that down. But Stasiak and Eddie have a conversation in the back, where Stasiak is, I don't know, high on mushrooms or something, and just talking to the air. And Eddie comes in and starts basically taking the piss out of him, asking him about the local vegetation on. Planet Stasiak, whether they got, you know, the good, the good shit, Michelle's favorite plant. Uh,
1: and speaking of, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Stadiak
2: takes a takes offense <laughs> this week, sponsored by Sunday Scaries. <laughs>
1: hey, I love that place, let me tell you.
2: But Stasiak takes offense to it and starts to fire back up at Eddie and challenges Eddie to a match. Eddie says, absolutely, let's do it. Then uh, what I realized is that they still haven't made the transfer. They still have not uh they've had over a week to get these new belts made with new logos on them and still haven't. Eddie's still blatantly says WWF on it. And I don't know how long it's going to continue to be a thing, but I'm going to continue to point it out because that's what I do. And Eddie and Stay, I go down to the ring, start having a match, and before we can get started, one of who I assume will soon be one of Michelle's favorite professional wrestlers comes down to the ring and just sits at ringside in a chair. Doesn't come on commentary or do anything. Uh, Van Damme comes down to the ring and Eddie starts freaking out before the match. and, And then the match starts any particular notes that we have about the segment that we just watched or, or the match. And in general, anybody, anybody got any notes on this one?
3: No, this one was pretty, it was, it was, this one was just a, uh, I I guess you could say segue match. This was just a build match. That's all it was. It was pretty much
2: a common place squash match. I guess you could say it was not there to help build Stasiak like at all. It was there to build tension no. between Eddie and Van Damme.
0: Yeah,
3: Contrary to the squash match that we had earlier, coins. which it built up Brock and it also built up the Hardy Boy. So that one was like a mutual beneficial squash match.
2: I, and Michelle, I don't have your notes in front of me. I don't know when you're making notes and when you're not making notes. So <laughs> I, I don't know. What matches you paid attention to and what you didn't, or if you even paid attention to any of the matches, or if it was just the commentary or if it was just the storylines or
1: so the storylines i didn't I don't know enough about them because I didn't see them from the beginning, so I'm not hundred percent sure what's going on <laughs> like that's, between that's the whole point RVD that's the whole and point, neither do, um, the point. Just... neither do we: uh that's the point, neither do we. I just I know I was very confused when I saw RVD coming down the ramp and like grab a chair and like did he throw it in the ring cuz I think I looked down nope. at that point okay I just saw him nope. grab the chair just and I'm like where is this going down. okay
3: Yeah he he just sat down
1: And then uh yeah I really I just I have uh like RVD is throwing Eddie Guerrero over the top rope and just what the fuck is going on? <laughs> it, it
3: was just it was just a build match to build tension between them. He, unlike more commonplace, where they actually interfere with the match, he didn't do anything until the match was
2: over. Yeah. So this, uh, we're going to use, I'm going to use an insider term or a, a smart mark term of, this is the go-home show. So the go-home show is the last show before a pay-per-view. So it's the last chance that you have to set up anything that's going to happen at the pay-per-view. So all of your matches that you already have set, this is your last chance to get people interested and make people want to buy the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's all this segment was. This, spe- this segment was just there with the point of, we want people to watch this match between Van Damme and Eddie but we don't want them to forget that it exists so we need to remind them so they just did a quick like uh just a quick segment of Van Dam hops in the ring after Eddie's match and starts tossing him around and then Eddie gets back in Van Dam leaves and then Eddie hops on the microphone and Basically says, I'm going to.
1: so much all over that microphone. So much. Yeah. Oh, my God. All I saw was it just flying everywhere. And I'm like, I hope they disinfect those.
2: (laughs) But Eddie hops on the microphone and basically just says, like, we're going to prove who does the better frog splash and then asks RVD who he is or who do you think you are? And Rob Van Dam does the Rob Van Dam thing. And then cut to before commercial, you see coach in the back trying to get into Austin's dressing room. And then Deborah comes up and she was like, "Ah, I'll go get him and come back. And then they cut to commercial, come back and boom, Austin and coach are, on the microphone, talking. This is, like, this is one of the only times I visibly saw disdain on Michelle's face when she was watching these shows during this whole promo at the entire crowd what Austin during the entire promo.
1: Oh. My. God. I... mm, I can't. I can't do it. You can. I can't. It made me so angry. Like, a couple times... Fine. But when it's like you have so much shit to say what and every sentence or statement or question yes. What? I what hate that shit. (laughs) What? 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 Fuck both of you.
2: (laughs) But to talk about the actual promo, Austin doesn't really say a whole lot, just says like he just sets up everything for judgment day, says that he's gonna get back at Flair, Flair's gonna get his ass whooped. Big show is going to get his ass whooped. I will say you were focused on the what's I was focusing on Austin's reactions to the what's and nobody handles that. What chant better than Austin does. He doesn't let it break him down. He doesn't let it interfere. He just keeps going. He uses it to his advantage. Sometimes, obviously I know he's the one who started it, but even then he, handles it better than anybody ever has or I think ever really will.
1: It was just very annoying. That's all. I pick up on things like that. I can't help it.
2: It's the autism.
1: (laughs) It's the tism.
2: (laughs) Wait
3: till they become almost a staple every time someone comes out.
1: So this is my first and last time on the podcast because I don't want to (laughs) watch that shit. (laughs)
2: Um then they cut to commercial again, they come back up and we got to see how do I describe this? A very odd VTR for some reason, a day in the life of Tommy Dreamer. So we got to see Tommy Dreamer just doing the most
1: weird shit Possible.
3: Ah, I don't know why we got that. I don't. It was just the
2: most rancid shit. Let me the let me confusion. list this off, right? And I wrote this down.
1: The confusion. I wrote this down.
2: <laughs> so he brushes his dog's teeth, and then takes the <laughs> toothbrush, and then puts it in his own mouth and starts brushing his own teeth. <laughs> he then sprays. What I can only guess is cologne. I hope it's not deodorant or antiperspirant, because, like, if it's antiperspirant.
1: I think it was spray deodorant. I really do. Or, like, foot spray or something.
2: I really hope it wasn't antiperspirant, but sprays some random nasty spray on his tongue and then proceeds to shave his tongue. Uh Uh-huh puts shaving cream on his tongue and then shaves with a razor for some godforsaken reason. Uh then he, while at the urinal with somebody, <laughs> asks them, Do you ever drink have you ever drank toilet water? And then takes a cup that he got from somewhere. I don't know. May as well have pulled it out of his ass. And then puts the cup under the flushing toilet to collect the water and then proceeds to drink the water and defend it by saying
1: it's colder it's better
2: than it's better than regular water because it's colder
1: i'll take regular water thank you
2: i don't know Why this exists. I don't know why they did this. I don't know what Tommy Dreamer did to piss people off.
1: I can't scrub it from my brain, and I don't like that I can it's it's living in my brain now, rent-free, and I hate it.
2: Yeah. If you just if you just continue to watch, you'll just get a lot of stuff that like never leaves your brain.
1: Great. Can't wait. I don't have enough space in here as it is. Let's not take it up with that shit.
2: Listen, I'm almost 30 years old and I remember some of this stuff for the weirdest reasons.
1: I am over 30 years old. I don't have that many brain cells left. Let's not waste them with shit like this.
2: Brain cells? You have brain cells? You have plural?
1: Yes. You have Okay, here's the thing. Have me and brain Theo don't cell. always Me and Theo do not always share the brain cell. I do actually have a few of my own somewhere. They're hiding up here in the recesses and filing cabinets up here. Fine. They're dusty as shit.
2: Getting this thing back on track even a little bit. Uh the Next segment after the Day in a Life of Tommy Dreamer segment, which didn't need to happen, uh, is the women's match between Terry and Molly Holly, uh, a result from last week in the swimsuit competition. But I kind of wanted to get Michelle's... Her Her perspective on the women's division or the women's situation. I, I don't even know what to call it at this point.
3: Okay, before we get her opinion on the women's division, we skipped over my favorite part of the show. It was before the, uh, before the, uh, the Eddie and Stasiak. I don't know why I wanted to call him Schnitzky. Completely different person. <laughs> a completely different man. <laughs> but um, my favorite part of this show, because of the previous show, where um, Hogan could not ride a motorcycle to save his fucking
2: life. Oh, the fact that, the fact that he comes in, in a, on a motorcycle. I don't know how the fuck he managed that one. So what you didn't get to see last week, Michelle, was Hulk Hogan... Completely and utterly. Have you ever seen a monkey fuck a football?
1: I try to avoid watching videos like that. Just because you do that shit okay. on deployment does not mean the rest of the world <laughs> does.
2: Listen, it made it around to my hard drive. I don't know how, and I'm not going to answer. I'm, I will not apologize for art. But Heart? anyway.
1: You call that art? <laughs> just, art,
2: clear his browser history. Art.
1: I'm not clearing shit.
2: <laughs> anyway. Uh, that is very akin to what it looked like watching Hulk Hogan try to figure out how to ride a motorcycle or how to start it was, it was the starting that was the issue
3: it was the starting and then him stalling it because he didn't have it in gear properly or he was letting off the clutch too early so it stalled it and he did that like four times before he just awkwardly got up And then chased the Undertaker (laughs) up the ramp. And then moments later came back out to get the motorcycle and start it and then ride it up the rest of the ramp. It was... How?
1: I'm kind of upset I didn't see this now.
2: But now he rides a motorcycle into Raw. Mm -hmm. He rides a motorcycle
3: in and then later on he rides it into the ring. I'm just like, how? How 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 did you manage that?
2: But as we said while uh you were away getting your snack, it's it's kind of upsetting that Theo's not here because Theo has this thing where he says that he only becomes a misogynist when he watches female professional wrestling. <laughs> so that being said, let's use that as a segue to talk about my wife, who is a, I would say she's an expert on, uh, uh, on, on the being a woman thing. We wanted to get her kind of point of view on like what the women's roster, like the, what the women's situation, how the women are presented on both of these shows, but more specifically in this segment, the Terry versus Molly Holly, segment their match and like knowing what you know because you saw the the recap that they did from last week where they had like the swimsuit competition and molly got upset and like attacked terry that's let's let's talk about that let's let's get your opinion on the whole women's situation in professional wrestling
1: so this one in general the terry versus molly holly uh I love the fact that they're pitting someone who is very hyper sexualized versus someone who is supposed to be like the virginal one. Mm-hmm. Uh that explains obviously the uh nineteen thirties swimsuit that she had on uh in last week's uh segment for the swimsuit competition. I don't have a whole lot to say on like what happened with her attacking Terry, but I'm sure words were thrown around that weren't very nice.
3: You'll get a more deep and depth um, experience of the women's division later.
1: Oh joy!
2: Yeah, but yeah, jump start right into it. They're neither well. I can't say neither one of them. So Molly is still very green at this point. So she's still kind of like finding her footing and like getting better in the ring. Cause I don't, I don't consider her bad, a bad wrestler. She's, she's very good or can be very good. Terry has never been good in the ring. Ever. She is there solely as a piece of eye candy.
1: Yeah. She's literally just there to be sexualized. And that's about it.
2: Yeah. So. Sloppy wrestling back and forth, mostly because of Terry. Um, but there are a lot of like botches and stuff in the the women's matches, if you pay attention throughout the entirety of it. But other than that, Terry actually does hit a decent Frankensteiner on Molly Holly. Also, I don't know what they called it. I call it a Frankensteiner, just because that's what I'm used to calling it it's also called a hurricane rana. That's
1: Don't what, know they, what called they called it.
2: it. Okay. Um I thought
3: the difference between the two was that the Frankensteiner was off the top rope and the Hurricane Rana was just on the mat. I thought that was the difference.
2: So I mean, yes, um that is like the the normal distinction, but even like just for me just like a standing One, I guess I just call it a standing Frankensteiner or whatever, but I, yeah, that, that move. For some reason, Regal's on commentary and it's not really established why he's on commentary. Like why he's out there, like why he, why he's out there to just. Commentate on this random women's match
1: it was literally just of, so that he could escort uh Molly Holly back up the ramp
2: right, and that's what I'm saying, but like it, it doesn't make sense as to why he's in that situation to begin with. like that right. was the end result, and we know that in the story that's the point of him being out there. but it was one of those like but there isn't we're gonna connect these two people. And we're going to have Regal walk Molly out and, like, start, you know, supporting her. And it's like somebody's writing a story, and they're like, this is the end result. And we're like, cool, how do they get there? And they're like, uh, yeah, he's just out there on commentary. And nobody thought to ask, like, why? why? Yeah. Yeah, there was no, like, build up to it. There was no explanation. He was just there. They didn't even, like, show him come down. Like, he was just, they came from... They came up from a commercial and he was just there and they're like, hey, we have William Regal, our new European champion. and He's on commentary for this random women's match that he has nothing to do with. Yeah. Then following that, we have the Hogan versus Flair match. Why is Hogan still going by Hollywood Hogan? I don't know. He's not wearing the black and white. This would be his Hulkamania American all American, real American yeah. at this point. Yeah. I mean, I can understand like they wanted to change it and like make it something different because he's not just the strict, like yellow, red and yellow trunks, right? Like he still has like the flame on the trunks or on the, his boots. He's not wearing the, the bandana anymore or no, wait, he is wearing the bandana. He started wearing the bandana. That's what I meant. He's wearing the bandana now. He didn't used to wear the bandana. Sorry, misspoke. He's he's wearing the bandana now to cover his bald head.
1: He's got like a like a Brett Michaels thing going on. He's going bald and just wears a bandana to cover it. So that hey, woman still I mean, think he's it... attractive.
2: <laughs> I mean, I don't give a shit how attractive he is. He makes <laughs> works, way more money than I've seen in my entire life for one that appearance. You will so... see
1: in your entire life. <laughs>
2: This man is getting paid out the ass like I'm
1: also just like to I would just like to comment as someone who, again, does not watch wrestling these men. How old did we say that they were? Because I asked last night when we were watching.
2: So at the time, like present day. Flair is 74. He will be 75 in February. So in a couple, like in a couple of weeks, he will be seventy five. So it's twenty twenty four. This took place in May of twenty twenty two. So no. he would have already had his birthday. So we subtract 22 years.
1: This was two thousand
2: two, yeah, <laughs> not 2022. 2000. This was two thousand two. Sorry, yeah, this was two thousand two, and February had already passed, so he would already had his birthday. So, so we subtract twenty two years. And he would 53. be... 53.
1: 52. Are you sure? Yes. Never mind. I got it.
2: Actually, no. Yeah, he would have been 53. Because he See, will be 75 this year.
1: That, so I was going based off of what age he was... Yeah, I was going yeah, based I off of what that, age Becker. he is going to be. I've, yeah. So how old would that make uh, Hulk Hogan then?
2: Uh, so old as shit. Now Hogan is seventy. He will turn seventy-one in August. Again, this took place in May of two thousand two. So we subtract twenty. So twenty-one. He would have been
1: forty-nine.
2: So yeah, he would have been forty-nine. So at the time that this show happened, Hogan is forty-nine and Flair is fifty-three. Combined I am
1: thirty-one.
2: <laughs> combined the two. Participants in this match have a combined age of a hundred and fucking two.
1: There is so much bleached hair and spray tan in that ring with those two at one time. Good. I don't,
2: no, no, no.
1: God. Hogan's,
2: Hogan's is spray tan. Flair's is not. Hogan has that orange glow. Yes. Flair just destroys his skin With UV rays, like he goes to the tanning salon, tanning
1: bed. Yes. Okay, but still, there is so much skin damage and damaged hair in that. Rick Flair's tan is real, damn it! (laughs) I don't (laughs) know if I go that far.
2: Real and permanent. (laughs) Uh, this is where I actually wrote the note. Uh, the fan had the Toronto is Hogan country sign.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: they had the old school like ref fights back spot with flair. Cause flair grabs a chair. The referee takes it from him and flair like points his finger at him and the ref like pushes him back. I can't remember. Was it, was it Earl Hebner? Was Earl Hebner the, me- the referee for this match? Because I wrote this down and like, I wrote old school referee fights back spot. And I was like, I only ever associate that with Earl Hebner. But also, so Earl is kind of like Hogan's personal referee. And Charles Robinson is like Flair's personal referee. So it's, it's one of those. I will, I will almost guarantee it's one of those two off the top of my head. And if it's not, I will be very surprised. It is uh, short, blonde hair.
3: Yeah, I think that was Charles Robinson.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, that's he's basically like Flair's <laughs> not personal referee, but like they, he's in a lot. He referees a lot of Flair's matches. Yeah, that's
3: Charles. Yeah, yeah, that was Charles.
2: But I noticed in the middle of this match, Flair fails the corner spot where he goes up, like does the like front flip up and over the top rope, and then oh, the oversell, runs across. Yeah. yeah, the the oversell spot he fails that completely and like almost falls on his fucking head.
3: Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if that, I know, I knew it was a fail, but I didn't know if it was an intentional fail. Cause they do that a lot too. Um, cause I saw that and I was like, that's like one of his staples. And I didn't see him purposely or at least accidentally failing something like that. Something so synonymous with his character, Um, So I wasn't sure if it was like a purpose botch or if it was just old person botch.
2: No, just he's old. Again, at this point, he's fifty three. Oh, and did I mention the combined age of the two men in the main event for the world championship is a hundred and fucking two.
1: That's a lot of. That's a lot of years.
2: So after the failed corner spot that he does. They do the flare top rope spot of Flair getting yeeted off the top rope. Hogan hits a weird figure four on Flair and doesn't do the leg spin that like everybody who's ever in the history of eternity ever done a figure four. They do the leg spin around the leg. Hogan just doesn't do that. He just like folds up Flair's legs and then puts him in a figure four that way. Super weird. Didn't like it at all. Not okay with it at all. And then we have Hogan hulks up, hits the leg drop. X-Pac and Show come in, interfere. Bradshaw comes down and interferes and chases off X-Pac. And then Austin shows up, stuns Flair, and...
3: Just just a a, a tidbit for everyone this was also a no DQ match so there was a lot of at one point there was a low blow and obviously with all the interferences the match wasn't called because it was a no DQ match
2: right they do mention they do mention that during right before actually I think they mentioned that it's it's going to be a no disqualification match but this made me like visibly upset I've, I've watched this before And I knew that it was a thing, but, like, it visibly made me upset to the point where, like, Michelle was very confused when I got very upset about, you have someone come down and interfere in your match and lay out your opponent, but you are so unwilling to take help from somebody that you still need to do your fucking leg drop to get the pin. To beat Ric Flair. He
3: does not end a match without his leg drop. And his not to His very simple, I drop my leg on you. (laughs) (laughs) Not, no, no. It's not even like a running leg drop. It's a, I'm a bounce off the ropes very slightly. I'm going to. He does,
2: he does run, but then he does the same thing that fucking Rock does. When Rock does the people's elbow, he fucking stops and then drops the leg. So all of that running against the rope to come back up, all of it just goes out the fucking window. There's no point. You don't understand how viscerally upset I get at this man for this stupid shit. At this point in Hogan's
3: career, I'm pretty sure it's in his contract that he will not win a match without doing the leg drop. It wouldn't surprise me. You cannot pull up one match where Hogan has won without that leg drop. Maybe the suplex match against um, Andre Giant. Maybe that one, because that's all. That's all you had to do was suplex your opponent.
2: No, so no, so in the, it's it's a body slam match or uh, like yeah, it's not a body slam, slam body. match. It, and it wasn't really. That wasn't the point of the match. It was that was the selling point. Is like nobody's ever slammed Andre. Even though, absolutely, they had. Just nobody had physical, like, tangible, recorded evidence of it that I know of. And that may not even be true. And Hogan had done it before that. Irregardlessly, he still
0: hit the leg drop at the end of that match.
3: So I don't even remember the leg drop for that match. I don't I either. just remember... I don't remember. (laughs) I just remember. I remember for all three of us. He's pretty much won the match because he did what he. No one said he could do. That was the end of the match. Yeah, that's all I remember. I don't remember the leg drop at all. Yep, he did it.
2: Don't worry, I remember for all three of us. But like I
3: said, I wouldn't be surprised if it's in his contract.
2: Anyway, getting off of the like viscerally upset (laughs) side of things that I am. He's got his blood pressure up now. They go to commercial and they come back up and they have a new get the F out program or uh, get the F out commercial that plays. Anybody want to talk about that piece of shit? Why? (laughs) We're not going to talk about the implied sex scene. Why Um,
1: was that there? I
2: I don't know. Anybody anybody else have the same reaction I did, which that's not how windows work? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You don't draw something on a window. Put it down and then bring it back up, and less of what you drew is there. That's not. That's not how wind. That's not. That's not how windows work. It, it would have made a little bit more sense if it
3: would have wiped away both sides of it to leave the WWE logo. Yeah, it would have made a little bit more sense. But yeah, no, that's not how windows work.
1: I was just very confused why this was there like my face the entire time this commercial was on was me just sitting there just what the actual fuck and Tyler's like are you okay I'm like no what is the point he goes write it down
2: Uh, there is no point uh, it's just a rebranding from WWF to WWE and this is how they decided to do it also bonus question time uh, you ready for this Teron great. what you got whose music was playing during this commercial. Oh, shit. Uh, Oh, fuck.
1: Uh, I don't think they go by that anymore.
2: I can't remember. This is sexual chocolates music.
0: Oh.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) I think you broke him. I don't want to talk
2: about it. So we talked about we talked about Val Venus last week. Now we're bringing up the sexual chocolate because we because we, we also in that episode talked about Mae Young giving birth to a hand. And who was the father of that hand to Ron.
3: I'll let I'll let you have that one. <laughs> uh
2: huh. Uh huh. <laughs> no. Sexual chocolate Mark Henry. That's who the fuck it was. World's strongest man One of the most dangerous men I've ever seen compete in a professional wrestling. This man's nickname was Sexual (laughs) Chocolate. And the motherfucker wore a a singlet that looked like a fucking Hershey's (laughs) wrapper. We don't talk about that.
1: No, I think we need to talk about this.
2: Had an implied sexual relationship with a woman who was like 80 plus at the time that they had the relationship and this woman ended up giving birth on live national television to a hand covered in petroleum jelly. The nineties were a fucking godless wasteland.
1: Can confirm.
2: (laughs) Any, anywho. segment in the back. Flair throws a big fit, starts throwing shit around and, Chastises X-Pac and Big Show for not being able to help him win, but also says they cost me my 17th world title. Gets upset and says because of that, Austin's going to have to be in a lumberjack match uh, later on in the program and says that he will handpick all of the lumberjacks and he will announce the newest member of the NWO as Austin's opponent later on. In that match
1: okay before we go before we go too much farther, my question the fuck is yeah. a lumberjack match i'm I wasn't hundred yeah. percent sure what this was
2: so a lumberjack match is a mat is a regular it's usually a one on one because I don't think I've ever seen a tag team lumberjack match, but there probably happened
3: there actually was yeah yeah, there was I can't specifically remember who was in it but there Uh was a tag team lumberjack match
2: okay you you look that up i will continue to explain so it, it is a match that takes place in the ring but around the ring are just a bunch of people whose whole job is if you get knocked out of the ring they are supposed to pick you up and put you back in the ring so It's like a human cage match, basically.
1: Okay, okay, that makes sense. The point of a
2: cage match is to keep people inside. It's basically the same thing. But what ends up happening inevitably is half of the guys are good guys, half of the guys are bad guys. So when the babyface gets dumped over the top, all of the bad guys circle around him and beat the shit out of him, and then they toss him back in the ring. And then what ends up happening is when the bad guy, when the heel gets tossed over the good guys swarm around him, but they don't like beat the shit out of him. They just like make sure he actually gets up and can't run away. And then they make sure he gets back in the ring.
3: Tyler. I was correct. There was a tag team and this was actually for the unified titles. Ooh. WrestleMania 25. So that would have been. I'll give you a hint of the time frame and who might be in that match. Great Kylie was still here. Okay. Evan Bourne was still here. Are you just reading Gold off the Dust. lumberjacks
2: from the, from the match?
3: No, no, I'm just oh, okay. I'm looking at it. Um, <laughs> okay. Tommy Dreamer was here.
2: I mean, I mean that makes sense. WWE, and CW. Jack Swagger was still here. Okay. Um, so you said unified tag team champions. Are we talking the Copper Pennies, or are we talking they still both had two titles? Both still had two titles. Okay. So, at 25, Mm -hmm. that had to be Jericho and Big Show versus Primo and Epico?
3: Close. It was Primo. It was Primo and Carlito ah versus Miz and Morrison.
2: I was so I was gonna say the Colones but I couldn't remember if they ever won ouch They're the ones that did win the unified tag titles. Primo and Epico don't know if they ever did. And if they did, I, I think, think so. I if they did, I think they won them as that stupid fucking matador gimmick that they did. I think so,
3: yeah. Yeah, this Ah, was this was Peak Morrison and um, Miz and Morrison
2: territory. That if see, that's what threw me is you said they still had the two, the two belts, and that's Mm -hmm. what throws me is like I was I was confused because I was like, I don't that that like portion of history in my brain is so short of like them still having the two that I remember like three teams who had the dual, or, yeah, three teams that had the dual belts. It was DX when they reformed,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Big Show and Chris Jericho, and fucking the Colones, which I should have gone with. I completely forgot that Miz and Morrison had those titles.
3: Yep, because they came in to unify the titles, because Miz and Morrison had one set, and then Carlito and Primo had the other. And then Carlito and Primo walked out. Uh, Yeah, they walked out. That's the one that they won.
2: That's the unification. This was the unification match.
3: Okay. Hmm.
2: Yep. My bad. Sorry, people. I, you know, say I'm a wrestling fan and sometimes I get shit wrong.
1: (laughs) How dare you fuck up like that? It's a lot of
2: wrestling. It's a lot of wrestling. (laughs) It's a lot of wrestling. I think that was the the fact fact that I
3: was even close. I think that was the one and only tag team
2: Lumberjack match, though. I that think. wouldn't surprise me. It honestly would not surprise me. It, what does surprise me is that it was a tag team Lumberjack match that they would have had that many teams to put around the ring at that time because I don't remember that many tag teams.
3: See, the thing was, I don't even think it was tag teams for the
0: just,
3: Lumberjacks. It was I think still it was just, just
2: random people? Yeah, just random people. Okay. That, made, that makes sense, too. But yes, that is that is a lumberjack match.
1: Okay, yeah, good yeah. cuz you lost me <laughs> like 30 minutes ago. Sorry.
2: <laughs> um after we get this little segment in the back, we have I'm still very confused by this whole situation. We have Bubba and Trish versus Richards and Jazz. I don't understand why Richards and Jazz are together. Makes no sense to me, never will. And the rules for this match or like the stipulation for this match very confusing to the point where i had to ask michelle do you understand the like the, <laughs> the stipulation of this
1: match i i um, i had an idea like of what it was um but tyler was nice enough to make sure that i fully understood
2: <laughs> it is a mixed tag team match because The women have to face the women and the men have to face the men. It is not an intergender tag team match, which means that the men can face the women at any point. But to add to the confusion of all of that, it is for not what Lillian Garcia announced it as, which is the hardcore title and the women's championship. It is for either the hardcore championship or the women's championship. Depending on who gets the pinfall, whoever wins wins that specific title. So if Bubba wins, he wins the hardcore title. If Trish wins, which she ends up winning, she wins the women's championship. But when Trish wins the women's championship, Bubba does not win the hardcore title. That's not how this works.
1: Is it essentially like based on who actually has the final like three count or
2: yes. Okay. Yes. Okay.
1: got you. So
2: whoever gets, whoever gets the win wins their respective title. If they're not the champion.
1: Okay, so gotcha, it, gotcha, like
2: gotcha. if, if Richards had won or if jazz had won, they would have stayed champion and the other one would have stayed champion. Mm-hmm. But if Bubba won or Trish won, they won their respective title. Mm-hmm. It's confusing as all fuck.
1: I'm going to say that I didn't pick up on, but the actual like idea of the match I got, that it was like women versus women, men versus men. Kind and
2: that's, that's more so what I was... I was more so asking about the stipulation rather than the rules. Right. And the stipula- Just because the, the stipulation is like... It makes no sense, even to people who watch professional wrestling on the regular. They're just why? Why would yeah, you that do that Yeah, that was a weird one. And I've seen some weird stipulations. Seeing a Judy Bagwell on a forklift match it was not as complicated as his shit.
1: The fuck is that?
2: That uh, that was a that was a WCW specialty. Uh Jazz and Trish start kind of reaffirming this is a mixed tag match, not an intergender tag match. They do a little bit of back and forth. Bubba comes in with Richards they do the woman falling on a man's dick spot but she, like Jazz was very hesitant to do it like she did not want anything to do with it at all like to the point where I'm pretty sure she shoulder checked his dick which had to hurt even worse she wanted nothing to do with that
3: <laughs> she definitely showed she landed on his face on his thigh shoulder in his crotch that That's what happened there. Uh,
2: I know this next part has Michelle, like Michelle wrote a note about that. I know she wrote a, a note about this. Um, all I put was just all the weapons because Bubba oh, and but. Trish just go around the ring and just like start chucking, quote unquote, chucking things into the ring. Why is False. that? Why do I put False. that? Why do I Hold put... <laughs>
1: No,
3: they were not chucking all of the weapons.
1: At one point.
3: Bubba was chucking in weapons. Trish was struggling with one can.
1: There was was a point where Dudley goes to chuck in a fucking trash can. It bounces off the side of the ring and hits him in the face. And I... They just (laughs) both had
3: bad spots with the trash can. I
1: just lost my shit. I probably laugh for oh, actually, a good five minutes.
2: <laughs> actually, now that I think about it, Trish was the one who was struggling, and then Bubba's spot was at the end after the match was over when uh, Trish told him to go get the table. Get the table, yes. And he ran out, and he, grab- and he grabs the trash can and throws it, but he hits the rope, and it just bounces back and just domes this motherfucker in the face.
3: Yeah, um... Bubba throws in a trash can Trish tries to throw in her own She gets the lid in after struggling And then tries to throw the can in And after failing three times We just abandon the trash can Also
1: after. at some point There is a hockey slap to the groin At one yep. point That just Ow I don't There's know a about stop. you guys hey, but There getting... is a
2: stop sign between yeah, stop the hockey sign. stick And his dick <laughs>
1: You act like that stops the hurt.
2: No, we're just making it sure just, that you understand it's just like, there's that. That's, that's the point, is there's padding. Obviously, the stop sign makes it mm-hmm. hurt less.
1: Okay, let's test this for science here. We'll no, put a stop you. sign over your lap, and I will hockey slap the shit out of you.
2: No, thank you. No, thank Are you. you sure? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um... No one, nobody's going
1: to volunteer as tribute.
2: (laughs) At this point, though, uh, I did love seeing Michelle's reaction because she gets so enthralled when she's taking notes that she just doesn't pay attention to anything that's going on around her. Because this woman sat like put her head down, started taking notes, looked up after Justin Credible had come in, did his thing, and then Crash came in, did another thing just incredible cut crash off did some other shit with the fire extinguisher and then crash (laughs) did some more shit she sees crash on tv and goes who the fuck
1: is that (laughs) when did the next match start how much did i miss
3: okay okay so this is why this happened because at this point in time the hardcore title was the predecessor to the 24 7 championship didn't realize this until we started watching this over again it is defended at any point at any place at any time and i believe it's always a no dq match so with this being a two title match with one of them being the hardcore title it automatically made this match a no dq match so they came in trying to capitalize on winning the hardcore title in the middle of this dual title match. So that's why seven yeah. different people came I
1: mean, I under... And you yeah,
3: looked up and there was a whole other match going <laughs> I, I on. just so love so that reaction. I'm like- it's
2: just, I'm watching all of this happen and I know she's not seeing anything because she hasn't said anything for like a solid 45, 50 seconds. And then she just looks up and goes, who the fuck is
1: that? <laughs> where the fuck did they come who are all of these people in the ring right now and like, then all of a that's sudden crash. and then all of a sudden dudley just hits justin over the head with the guitar and i'm like yep. what
2: is happening yep richards that like they clear the ring richards tags in jazz and then just like leaves he just fucks off <laughs> he just dips out he's like nah fuck you i'm out runs away Jazz goes to hit. I don't know what this move is called, other than what Beth Phoenix calls it. Is it the Widowmaker? No. The Widowmaker is Victoria's, and that's like the over the shoulder, like power bomb right, into a right, neckbreaker right. thing. This is like. I, I called it the glam slam because I don't think Jazz ever names it. And the only other person I've ever seen so. hit it is Beth Phoenix. Yeah. So. She does the glam slam. Trish hits a stratus faction and Trish wins the match. Then they botched initially, they fucked that completely up. Um, and then they do the Bubba get the tables. And we have another (laughs) thing like last week where I said that they did something you definitely
3: hold hold on. What did I miss? Uh, hold on. We have to address the fact that Bubba is, uh, he's magic. He is a
2: teleporter yep. because where the fuck did Bubba <laughs> He just from? came <laughs> back. Yeah. Okay. I did not mention that. He, he fucks off after Richards, like starts fighting Richards in the crowd and they just like fuck off into the crowd of this building and then Trish wins and then Bubba just like Boom! He just back. He's just there. <laughs> and Bubba's <laughs> just standing there. I got the bell. I wait. Ah, good job. Like, where the fuck did Bubba come from? <laughs> um, I did miss that part. But then Trish does the Devon get the tables thing with Bubba. Everybody throws, you know, throws babies in the air. Everybody's super happy. Bubba realizes that Spacks trash cans the hurt shit out of them. <laughs> uh, and then and trash cans fight back.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> this trash can had a fucking vendetta against Dudley.
2: <laughs> but like we talked about last week, when I said that like Richards did, Richards super kicked Trish, and you would never be able to get away with that nowadays. This did, no, never. Mm-mm. Bubba power bombs Jazz through a table. Did you? Did you watch that? Did you see how far past the table, like he overshot that so much? He sat. He
3: went through the yes,
2: table. He sat, like sat on the table, but he sat on the far end of the table. Like I legitimately thought Jazz was hurt for a second.
3: Yeah, she made no contact with the table. He, his ass was the only
2: thing that touched the table. After that, monstrosity of a failure. We have Taker in the back beating his head against the wall. Coach tries to come up and ask him a question. And Taker basically just fucks off and leaves. Then we have a card rundown for Judgment Day where they just go over all the matches that are going to happen. We'll get to that next week's episode. Next week we'll do just an exclusive episode about Judgment Day. Instead of doing Judgment Day and Raw and SmackDown all in one episode, we'll just do a single episode on judgment day and all of the spectacle that goes around that we have gold is in the back. He starts singing the lumberjack Aww. song to uh, Booker T Booker T Theo's favorite person, is Theo's here. favorite lapdog gold dust. As Theo would say, gold is best boy. Booker T's in the, like in a, in a lumberjack outfit, and screams at gold and he was like why aren't you wearing this and gold is like well we don't have to and booker t gets pissed and asks him why he's wearing it then and then gold is like oh i think you look it's just very sexual tensiony like weird shit
1: can i just mention how like homoerotic wrestling is sometimes
2: oh Theo already beat you to it last week everything around
1: okay everything
3: around gold is it's not
1: it's not even just gold dust like there are certain things that I see in matches where like they'll be like one of the guys will be on his knees let's start right there (laughs) one of them is on their knees in the middle of the ring and the other one just like grabs him by the chin gently, and I'm like, this seems very sexual. What is happening here? And then grabs him by the back of the head, and I'm like, wait a minute. This (laughs) is not what I signed up to watch.
3: I mean, just just look up questionable promos by wrestlers. Just look that up. I'm a man who loves to play with boys.
1: No, thank you.
3: Yeah. Just just listening to... What was was it? Was it Kevin Nash? Or... I can't remember exactly who it was saying that he was going to come on a grown man.
2: Uh, I remember seeing that uh, Miro did that in AEW. He made a comment. He said he was going to come on somebody with the wrath of God.
1: That seems a little excessive.
2: Yeah, we get through the very homoerotic section, like section of the show, the very homoerotic section of the show with Goldust and Booker T. We get to. Big Show and X-Pac, it it was also established earlier, Flair, in his big rant after he lost his match, um, complains and he says that Bradshaw is going to end up in a match against Big Show and X-Pac in a handicap handicap match against (laughs) X-Pac and Bradshaw. I know I say it every time I see him, but I
3: forget that that was Bradshaw. Yeah. That is a big man he's a
2: big dude he was big and then the that is long jet black hair and the must like the goatee like i really forgot
3: about the apa days and all i remember like i remember the apa days but it's more prominent for the jbl shtick
2: and him being the the cowboy millionaire so we're going to play a game here because I have two notes that I guarantee you I wrote when I watched this and I knew exactly what they meant. And now I have no fucking clue.
1: <laughs> I have one note on this match and all it says is Bradshaw has more guts than brains. Yeah. That's,
2: that's a, it. That's, that's all a, I have. That's a quote from Jr. <laughs> that's a quote from Jr. I remember that
1: that's all I've got because at this point like my brain was shutting down because I'm like I've had enough of this (laughs) I want to go to sleep
2: and then she still had to watch (laughs) the end of this and Smackdown
1: so my Smackdown notes aren't much better
2: (laughs) I have two notes one has just in quotations just says get him back in the ring I'm guessing someone yelled that Probably the referee at some point uh, yelled that in the match. Uh, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> and then I also have a note that just says referees are deaf. Not real sure what significance that has to this match. I don't know what happened. Uh, I just wrote the words referees are deaf. I think,
1: I think your brain probably shut off, too. <laughs> no, like,
2: I, I don't. I don't remember anything from that match that would have qualified for that.
1: <laughs> Not does it, wait? one does it, of us is prepared.
2: Wait, doesn't somebody pull out a chip? Oh, I remember what it was. I remember what it was now. So, <laughs> I, I'm glad I had this uh, had this time to think about it and, and process it and remember. So, uh, X Pac is distracting the referee on the other side of the ring, and JBL like runs to go do something and like hit a move, and Big Show just like. Bashes him in the back with a chair, and you hear it, and it fucking echoes through the entire arena, and the referee doesn't do a fucking thing about it. It's just the referee hears it and is just like, nah, nah, didn't hear nothing." So, I mean, referees almost are almost
3: as bad. as the Kendo sticks that the refs don't hear <laughs> right. those things breaking are loud? Right.
2: X Pac for some reason at the end of this uh, just tags himself in just make the cover not i guess it's just playing into his character but it was kind of kind of weird and kind of dumb didn't really understand why he did that
3: and then he gives big show a sensual hug
2: yeah he does do that uh we go to another commercial comes back up and they're doing more promos for judgment day more hey buy this pay-per-view you can Paper. You can buy the pay per view, or you can buy it on our website, and they show a screen grab from their website. And I do remember I watched this with Theo in preparation for this recording, and then he ended up he had he had to work. And Theo, looking at the screen grab from that website, just said. That is the most early 2000s web page I have ever seen in my entire life. And yeah, I, again, this is the Anna Nicole Smith thing from last week. I just, I felt 105 (laughs) years old at that point. He doesn't, he doesn't get the right to talk about internet. (laughs) Has no right. He was born in the latter half of 99. Yeah. Oh, he's a dude that he doesn't count.
1: Exactly. We, we revoked his 90s kid card. But anywho, like Tyler had me at one point. He goes, look at the bottom right hand of the screen. And what does it say? It said for collect calls <laughs> through AT&T. And I'm like, I think you just broke my hip with that comment. Thank you so much for that.
2: <laughs> 1-800-CALL-ATT for I mean, collect
3: uh- calls, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, if it makes it even worse, please don't it was on AOL.:
1: I had AOL. <laughs> I could probably tell you my screen name to this day.
2: All right, let's get back on track here. Let's get back to what we were talking about after
3: I think at this point, we do, like I said, it was just promos about what was coming up, yeah. and then we get finally to. The segment with Coach and Hogan, yes. When he's about to leave, and then yes. yet again, no title. Nope. He didn't arrive with the title. He's not leaving with the title. But during his match, he came out with the title.
2: Makes perfect sense to me. Mm-hmm. Correct.
3: Mm-hmm. So, and I just thinking about that
2: now, with the
3: whole conversion. Even though I know he was doing this way before the conversion. Made a little bit of sense to me just now thinking about it. Since they were doing the conversion, that he wouldn't have the title at all times because they were trying to transition the belts.
2: No, no, so it no, makes sense that don't he think wouldn't. I anything to do. It, it with would that. already be there. I don't think that had.
3: I was I was just saying like that would that would make sense. But like I said, you're talking about this Hulk was Hogan. Hogan. He, yeah. I was like, it made sense. I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, it makes sense that he didn't arrive with it. He's not leaving with it, but it was there during the match. So the belt was already at the arena. So he only had it when he was there. I was like, okay, that makes sense. But then I was like, it's Hogan. He never wears the belt anyway. So
2: So Hogan is in the back. He's talking to Coach and cuts a promo talking about thanking Austin for – you know, saving his back during the match. And he goes, oh, well, maybe I'll stick around and I'll be one of the lumberjacks for Austin's match to have his back. And then gets wailed on by a tire iron from the Undertaker. I really hope that that was a rubber crowbar. I hope so. Hogan takes
3: one to the chest. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God.
2: Yeah, I'm really hoping so. Taker ties him up. And I quote, hog tie.
1: That was not hog tying. Hog he tie. Just tied his ankles. Hog tied.
2: Well, we know. JR should fucking know too. He's from Oklahoma. True. But Taker ties Hogan to the back of his motorcycle and starts driving him up and down this hallway, which. JR says is concrete but it's very very vis- visibly two colored carpet that he's being dragged on
0: yep
3: i think the only parts that were concrete was the very fir- the very beginning and the very very end
2: yeah but hogan takes you know takes the ride up and down and then gets slammed into these boxes and is very dramatic and It's so very gently. It's it's so gently, dude. Like, I that looked like fun. (laughs) But the boxes fall down. I rewatched
3: it, and I was like, that was the most gentle crash I've ever seen.
2: Like, the boxes fall down, the pipes fall down on his head, and I'm like, I watched it, but, like, I when I watched it, I was convinced that it was a stunt double just because that cameraman had no idea what the fuck he was doing because he just kept shooting the side of a box that was blocking Hogan's face. Nope, just bad cameraman. So I, I was very confused for a minute, and uh, they go to commercial, come back up. Hogan is being put into a neck brace. Michelle worked in healthcare for a really long time and had uh, some some awesome uh comments to make
1: okay one um i worked in healthcare for over a decade i've held multiple positions uh here's the thing when you're putting on a neck brace you don't jiggle someone's head around uh he had a helmet on clearly the neck brace is not going to fit on with the helmet also it wasn't even the right fucking size for his gigantic neck
3: well, they they established that it wasn't going to fit with the helmet on after they had tried. <laughs>
1: they just left they it, it on. It they no, they, they didn't off. take it off. They just they
2: took left it, off. it no, they took it off.
1: When when did they They take took it off?
2: it off? Right before they tried to seal the, the his thick ass neck in the neck brace. Yes, they did. No, they did yes, not. They, they did
1: tried to velcro it. No, and then they just like took him away.
2: One of the two of us doesn't have to take 45 seconds at a time to write notes. So one of us noticed that they completely got his helmet off. They took his helmet off.
1: It was still not they the did. correct they size did. neck brace.
2: No, it, no, was, it not. was not. But after that, we have the lumberjack match. So let's get, let's get your guys' opinions on that.
1: I'll be honest, I was still very confused uh what a lumberjack match was, so I wasn't sure what was going on. Uh but at some point, uh Austin uh Steve Austin he he won. That's all I remember. But at some point he got he got out of the ring, gets tossed back into the ring, and somehow I'm not sure how this move works out that this man ended up getting a thumb up his butt. But back to my homosexual comment that I made earlier. Why is wrestling so homoerotic?
3: Yeah, that was the, that was a point that we um when Theo was here, we we brought, we brought that up that yeah, um he 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 got violated. <laughs> Stone Cold got
0: violated really, really bad.
1: <laughs> this man's junk was in another man's face, and he gets a thumb up the ass. There was, this is not what I signed up to watch.
3: <laughs> yeah, it, and to to um, Tyler's credit, before Wayne said that there is a bunch of heels on the outside and a bunch of baby faces. When the before the match even starts, Stone Cold gets. Ambushed by all of the heels. And. That's just a credit to. How they position people. Because all of the heels were on the entrance side. And all the baby faces were on the back end side. So they could do this before match spot. That they all jump him. And then they throw him in the ring. And then he. He has his match. He
1: gets violated. And. <laughs>
3: Yeah, he gets... Oh, my God. Um, But, yeah, the match goes on. Stone Cold and his now-announced opponent is Booker T. Um, They have their match. Um, You know, they do a couple spots, and then Stone Cold gets pulled out of the ring, and he attacks his attackers, and then, of course, you have the big meat sack, Brock Lesnar, which I want to say this... I, I don't because it's kind of later on down the line. I want to say that this was kind of a start of the feud between those two. I don't know if it's ever brought up again that because Brock Lesnar just solos <laughs> Stone Cold for a good like <laughs> two three minutes, and then he gets thrown. The Stone Cold gets thrown back in the ring. Um, He gets yelled at by the ref Brock does doesn't really mean much. It's a lumberjack match. It doesn't fucking matter what he does, but this match goes on. And yeah, there's a lot of pretty much back and forth stone cold gets thrown out a bunch of times. And then yeah, to, to the credit of him getting his
0: (laughs) innocence (laughs)
3: taken, It it was, that was funny. That, that was. Like I would I, have had some words for some I, people I back.
1: think I looked down, started writing something, looked up, and I'm like, "Why is that man's thumb in his ass?"
2: On that note, we are gonna start with the review from SmackDown, May 16th of 2002. At the beginning of. Smackdown, we have a recap of the previous week of Smackdown, which was actually pretty helpful, especially for Michelle to be able to see what had happened last week. So she kind of understood where things were coming from, at least when it came to like the Triple H and uh, Vince and Jericho segment, like that whole situation that was going on just be like. That little recap at the beginning, I think that helped her a lot. I thought that was pretty cool. They're live in Montreal, so they're doing their Canada tour, which usually is just, like, Toronto, Montreal, and I think that's usually it. I don't think they go to – like, I know they do the smaller towns, but as far as, like, televised, that's usually the only two I think that they do is Toronto and Montreal, so – We start the entire show with Michelle's new favorite professional wrestler for some reason. Triple H comes out and cuts a promo. I said this last week, but I'll say it again. It's weird seeing babyface Hunter just not used to it. So seeing him be a good guy is just, it's strange to me. It's going to take some getting used to, and then by the time I'm used to it, he's going to be a heel again. He calls out Jericho and wants Jericho to come down, and instead of Jericho, he gets Edge, who my wife pointed out, apparently, (laughs) looks like a guy she went to high school with, or no,
1: No, no. dated
2: while she was in high school.
1: Yes. Uh, Looks almost exactly like him, and I'm like, this is weird so i asked what his real name is and tyler's like please tell me that that's not the guy's name (laughs) what did you say his name was
3: i will i i will leave right now (laughs) if you tell me that you dated edge in high school i'm done with this podcast no i'm
1: I'm, I'm done Uh, no because i graduated in 2011 and in 2002, he was, what, probably mid-20s?
2: Yeah. I think he started when he was, like, 18 or 19, and that was mid-90s, mid to late-90s.
1: But no, he looks almost exactly like a guy that I dated when I was in high school, and I'm like, this is fucking weird.
2: Back on track. My wife dated Edge when she was in high school.
1: Listen, we don't talk about it because it was illegal as shit.
2: (laughs) That makes it even worse. Yeah, this man was 22 when she was 16, and she was dating him in high school.
1: Not Edge, the guy I was actually dating. (laughs) There's a lot of shit to unpack there. So,
3: (laughs) 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 back
2: into wrestling. Hunter calls out Jericho, and Edge comes down instead of Jericho. Something that I noticed was kind of weird, and I guess I've never noticed it before. They have a stare down, and Edge is taller than Triple H's. Yes. I didn't, I guess I never realized that before, but he's like, not insignificantly taller than Triple H is.
3: I'm trying to, because I don't think either one of them is in, well, I think Triple H is in gear. I'm just trying to compare. No, because Triple H is in. Is he in boots? Yeah, he's in boots. They're both in boots, but they're not like any significant kind of like boot or anything. So I was trying to see if like one was in tennis shoes and one was in their gear. But no, they were both in boots. Um, But yeah, we get that segment of Triple H calling out Jericho gets Edge instead. They have a stare down and then they have a little back and forth tussle and then here comes Jericho and Kurt Angle which Jericho is having a feud with Triple H and Kurt Angle is having a feud with uh, Edge and that builds into their hair for hair match which at the end of them beating up both of them Kurt Angle then proceeds to cut out a chunk of Edge's hair and then they leave because then Triple H comes back in after he's had his I'm-gonna-let-you-do-some-fucked-up-shit recuperation time (laughs) with the chair and chases them both out. And then Jericho and Kurt Angle then proceed to go back into the back. And I think we hit a commercial at that point um, promoting Judgment Day. And then we get a recap of what just happened. And then we get back into the misogyny of wrestling. We cut back to the back where Mr. McMahon and I forgot her name. Stacy Keebler. Stacy. That's what Stacy Keebler. McMahon is back there, uh, obviously being McMahon and talking about a swimsuit contest that she's going to be in. And he's asking for a sneak peek. And then obviously she reveals underneath her robe, which we all assume is either a very skimpy swimsuit or nothing entirely and is interrupted by Kurt Angle and Chris Jericho right before Mr. McMahon is like, I, I gotta test the goods.
1: That man is super fucking creepy.
2: What, Vince? Vince is yes. creepy? No,
1: not at all. Vince what? McMahon is not at all. fucking creepy as no. shit.
3: But Mr. McMahon, before he can taste a cookie, is interrupted by <laughs>
2: He was trying He's to run through that without... He was just like, alright, if I say it fast <laughs> enough and I get through it quick enough, nobody will notice, and I'll be fine. How did that work out for you, Teron? Oh. I was almost right had, there. I was close. Oh, no, you did I was right not. He, he did. He, he stumbled right at the finish line. He was right there.
3: But they come in... Talk to Mr. McMahon about, hey, yeah, look what we just did, and he, McMahon, is like, I was not paying attention to any of
2: that. Listen, I was, I, I was busy, I was detained.
3: But then he's like, we're gonna reward you guys by putting you both in a tag team match against Triple H and Edge tonight, and that was pretty much the end of that. And then we go on to our next match. Well, actually, our first match in the night, actually. So then it was uh, Landstorm and um, Molly. No, no, Molly Holly. No, Hardcore Holly. Jesus Christ! Look, there's so many people with Holly in their name at this point.
2: Crash, Hardcore (laughs) Holly.
3: Um, yeah, and then we get to who's tagging with Randy Orton. (laughs) I'm I'm gonna let Tyler Tyler go over over this man. (laughs) It's his favorite person.
2: It's the big Val Boski, baby. This is the one of the greatest professional wrestlers that's ever existed. I don't know if you were aware of that, but if you're not, I need you to be aware of that, Teron. I, I need you to understand. He's one of the greatest professional wrestlers and gimmicks that's ever existed. Period. And what's, what's his finisher, Tyler?
1: <laughs>
2: Val Venus's finisher is called the Money Shot.
1: And why is that you need to you need to refresh my memory and
2: what is his profession Tyler he before he became a professional wrestler, he was an adult film star
1: and what happened?
2: He may or may not have owed money to some, some men who were uh, may or may not have been associated with a Uh, a large crime syndicate in Japan who decided to take back what he owed them. Ow. Me choppy choppy your (laughs) pee-pee. Is this before or after at this point? (laughs) This is after. So what we're watching now is after me choppy choppy your pee-pee.
3: Which this was on live television; uh-huh. those words were spoke. Yes. But that's how we got to this match because previous the previous week, um, Orton had a no no. Match this didn't with, have anything
2: to do with them cutting off Val Venis's dick.
3: What? What? Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the build up to this match specifically. <laughs>
2: Right, so that's how we got to here. <laughs> wait, no? That no, wait a minute. This didn't have anything to do with them taking
3: his dick. So how we got this match was Orton had a match against was it hardcore Holly?
2: Uh no, last was, so last no, week it hardcore was against Storm. Holly was the referee. Yeah, and Holly was the referee. And then they started beating the shit out of him and then Valvinus came down and broke things up and saved Orton. Because he's just the best guy. Then we
3: got this match. And to anyone's recollection, this is early Orton. So this is before gimmick Orton. This is before music. This is before everything. It's very weird seeing him at this point just because of how decorated he is. Like, this, this is so far... This is so early, this is before sleeve Orton.
2: This is before the Orton that I got used to growing up, who was just, like, the cocky shit heel. And then he just, like, had this weird, like, psychotic break, I guess, and became kind of who he is now. Yeah, this was, like,
3: early... Babyface, cocky kid Orton.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, this is even before he was really a cocky babyface. He was just like, he was kind of just like happy to be there and happy to be part of everything. But yeah, this is before the, the Orton that I remember, which is just like the cocky heel that was in Evolution and, you know, the the early Legend Killer gimmick. This was just, this was nothing. There was nothing there.
3: This is pretty much as generic as you could get. I think he had just some generic opening or entrance music. Mm -hmm. He didn't have any pyros or anything. He just came out, did a very basic pose, and then went to the ring. That was it. 100%. And one thing that Orton does so very well, which I wish he still did, was his flying crossbody and his flying drop kick. They were so beautiful.
2: Uh Uh-huh. I actually wrote down the same thing. I wrote Orton has an awesome crossbody. Like that crossbody is beautiful. And then, yeah, I did notice. I also noticed the uh, the drop kick. He gets up there. He gets some height up there when he hits that drop kick. Um, then I did this, notice. Was this the match that?
3: I think he almost he he almost fucked it up, or was that last week?
2: No, that was last week. The one where he almost fell off the top rope and onto the floor
3: yeah but saved himself somehow
2: i uh, i did notice this was the first time he used it he this is where he uses the i think again i think it's called the overdrive it do, they didn't name it but he does the move and they're like oh what a move and i'm like oh yeah that's the uh, i think it's called the overdrive when he does it but it's mvp's i think mvp calls it the playmaker yeah but yeah he hits that move at one point but at the end of the day doesn't Pick up the win that way. He picks up the win by reversing a pin into a crucifix and getting <laughs> yeah, a quick three-count pin. <laughs> yes.
1: he scoots off that fucking ring so goddamn fast and just goodbye, <laughs>
3: goodbye. Well, he's 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 the new blood. He's trying to get the fuck out of there because he just won a match that he wasn't supposed to against these veterans. Is that was the whole shtick of this this little interaction here.
2: See, sometimes my brain works very, very quickly, and sometimes my brain works very, very slowly. Like, there are times where I will have, like, an entire conversation in between two words that somebody else says in my own head. And then there are other times where I hear things, and it takes my brain way too long to process it, and it's completely wrong. You just said he's the new blood, and my brain went, what are you talking about? He's not in a gang. He's wearing blue. <laughs> And then I thought about it for half a second, and I was like, "That's not what, that's not what he meant. That's not See, what he that, meant that, at all." That
3: in those situations, the, those I call the mouth and brain conversations,
2: <laughs>
1: where your mouth
3: is is trying to say that, it's like he's not in a gang, and then your brain's like, "No,
0: dumbass, <laughs> no,
2: <not>, worry." <laughs> grab my grab my mouth by the back of the shirt, just nope, we're not. Mm-mm. <laughs> I was very confused for the hot second. Um, yeah. Um, Orton and Orton and Valvina's win. They fuck off up the ramp as quickly as humanly possible. Then we have a quick recap of Hogan dragging or Hogan being dragged, quote unquote, all over the back and being being dragged quote-unquote, on the concrete.
3: And then, was he getting there or was he leaving? Was he even on the card this week?
2: Yeah. He Well, I don't think he was on the card, but he was there. So he shows up and he starts limping and then Taz says, oh, look at that terif- like, terrible or horrifying limp. And Michelle's like, it, it looks like his foot's asleep. Like, it's not that bad. Like, <laughs> It's really not. We have that. Then cut to another segment in the back where Tori Wilson is walking around and Maven comes up to her and basically says, Hey, I saw what happened last week. I'm sorry that that happened to you. Maybe if you want, maybe if you want, we can go out and get a drink after work. Get something to eat, whatever. Then... Devon shows up and just cuts a like sermon on Maven and tells him that he's thinking impure thoughts and that it is just best Divon <laughs> gimmick ever. Worst Divon gimmick ever.
1: It took me so long to realize that it was Dave Batista with him. I sat there and stared at this man, paid attention to nothing else, because I'm like, I think he should look familiar, but I don't know why.
2: Yeah. It's Drax.
1: Yep.
3: This is is early Orton and Uh early
2: Batista. Uh Uh-huh. Then Al Snow shows up and backs up. Maven has his back for him. Then... Since you wanted to hop to his fucking defense earlier, why don't you talk about this this next segment in the back? Why don't why don't you talk about this
3: glorious fuckery? We have a promo for the continuous bashing of the hurricane and him being in his alter ego. I I don't I don't know what you would you would call it
2: his 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 rip off of Clark Kent.
3: Yeah And he is talking To uh, Fuck I'm trying to remember Trying to remember his name That is Funaki Funaki, okay So I was like It's not him And it's not him I went through like seven different <laughs> people in my head <laughs> Later known but as Kung Funaki he's ta- Yes but he's back there talking to Funaki, and then Funaki is, like, getting geared up. He bends over. There is a for no, note Hold on, on, hold on,
2: hold on. Getting geared up for no reason. Doesn't have a match. At no point does he wrestle on this show. He's getting geared up for no reason. Just for this. Just, just for this. this.
3: But Hurricane notices that there's a note on Funaki's back. It's pretty much just continuous punning and bashing of the hurricane. He then proceeds to do his hurricane shtick and his Clark Kent shtick and then realizes that he's supposed to be incognito. So then he just tips his hat and fucks off.
2: Oh, look. Um, A hura note. Maybe it's from your hura fan.
3: Yes. (laughs) Best word plays ever. (laughs)
2: All of the hurrah
1: All puns. of the puns and the dad jokes that Tyler absolutely hates.
2: I, I fucking hate this so much. You have no idea how much this just enrages me. Way more than it probably should, but it absolutely infuriates me. I hate dad jokes with you a passion.
1: You get violent when I tell dad Violently jokes. Violently upset.
2: Violently upset. I used to have a friend who would call me every day after I got out of work, and we would talk for, like, hours on it. She always started this fucking conversation with, hey, do you want to hear my dad joke for the day? And I'm like, no, no, Kelsey, I don't. I don't want to hear your dad joke. And then she would tell me the shittiest dad joke she could possibly fucking think of just because she wanted to get under my skin.
3: Because that's the best place to be. I
2: I hate dad jokes with a fucking passion.
1: And yet this man married me.
0: You signed up for it.
1: My entire like sarcasm and sense of humor is essentially puns and dad jokes.
3: He did to himself.
1: (laughs) He did. And he knew what he was getting into because it's not like I hid my sense of humor from him.
2: Right, but here's the thing, right? Like, uh, I have uh 33% hearing loss in my left ear and selective hearing in my right ear so
1: that is also 33% comes... hearing loss as well maybe 50
2: <laughs> so when it comes to her shitty dad jokes i can just not pay attention and i don't have to hear her shitty dad jokes so but he like... still
1: hears them <laughs>
2: I have the option to just not hear these things that I don't like.
1: Because the look on his face after I finish saying the dad joke says that he heard it in all of its hilarious glory.
2: Anyway, now that we're done trying to get under my skin with dad jokes, we have an interview with Jericho in the back. Jericho brings up the fact that he tore Hunter's quad that is originally what put Hunter on the shelf that uh, Hunter just came back from. Says that Hunter will face the quote-unquote real Jericho in Hell in a Cell. Uh, basically just, you know, setting up another uh, another segment, setting up an, another match at Judgment Day. That's the whole point of these. Um, then we get another match we get Devon versus Maven not a terrible match not anything to write home about nothing too noteworthy happened I have two notes I have that Devon tries to collect money he's like comes out and cuts a a promo and Maven interrupts him when he's trying to collect the money and like I said it's a halfway decent match It's it's an okay match ends with a low blow and reverse DDT called the saving, saving grace, grace from Devon and Devon wins the match. Uh, does anybody have any other notes about this absolute barn burner of a classic between Maven and Reverend Devon?
3: No, not really. I don't think there was yeah, like you say there was nothing really noteworthy on this match. Um I don't think there was any botches or anything in this match, so it was pretty cut and dry.
2: Pretty solid match. I mean, just for being a mid card, like middle of the show match, it it did what it needed to do. It didn't. There's no story going on. We're not gonna get a. We're not gonna get an ongoing story between Reverend Devon and Maven. So. It, it...
3: Yeah, it, it was just a a match to fill the card, yeah. that wasn't. Terrible, but it wasn't great either. Which we
2: talked about last week, right? Like Vince, he did the same shit last week. He is in the back with Stacy, Jericho, and uh, Angle show up, and they talk about how they just humiliated Edge and cut his hair. And then Vince makes this main event match. Okay, cool. Uh, also, the fact that Maven and Devon had this interaction like five ten minutes before this match started. And now they're having a match because of what happened. That's two matches that are on your card that weren't on your card when you got to the building. What did you plan on doing if those matches didn't happen? Or are you just, like, are we just supposed to believe? Which I know we are. But looking at it from a perspective of, like, somebody like Michelle, if she thought hard enough about this, like, this aspect of things and tried to make it make sense, What were you going to do for those time periods? What were you going to do for those two match slots? Are you just expecting that they're going to get filled when you get there? What happens if they don't? Like, What if nobody does anything noteworthy and you just have 45 minutes on the ass end of your show that haven't been filled? What do you do? You just go around making random matches where you see the Hurricane versus Kurt Angle?
1: See, that's like one part of wrestling that I don't necessarily understand is like just all of a sudden all these matches are just springing up, quote unquote, like out of nowhere. And it's like, so you're telling me that you are slated to have like these two hours that you're trying to fill and you you came like you said, you came to the table with two matches predetermined or preset. And then you have, you threw in like two other ones just for like filler. Well, it's so, not even necessarily wh- filler. It's, it's
2: like, cause we talked about it last week, right? Like looking at it from an objective standpoint, you eat, you, one of two things happened. Either you bumped another match that was already on the card and said, you know what? You guys aren't going to have a match anymore these guys take your spot because they're beefing and we need to get that, that solved. Or you came to the arena without anything in those slots and just expected to fill those slots.
1: Just ex- expected shit to happen and to go down yeah. and you to be like, okay, so here, now that this is going on, we're going to get you guys a match tonight. Exactly. That, that makes that's no what, sense that's, to me.
2: <laughs> that's the thing that bothers me is like they had... They have it twice on this show and they just did it last week. Like they just did the same shit last week where it's like, oh, because you guys are in an argument or because you guys want to, now you have a match. Cool. What were you planning on doing in that time anyway? Right. Because these, one, yes, this match is like a short five minute match. It's like relatively short. The other one is the last match of the night. It's like a 15 minute match. What did you plan on doing for those 20 minutes between those two matches? What was your actual end going to be? Because let, let me, hold on. Before Angle and Jericho versus Edge and Triple H, the last match, which would be the main event, was Tajiri versus the Hurricane versus Billy Kidman for the Cruiserweight title. Hell of a match. Great match. But you're telling me that that was your slated like actual main event for the night. That's what you came to the table with like, that's our main event. That's our selling point. That's what these die-hard wrestling fans are coming to see tonight. And if they don't get to see anything else, they're going to be happy with that main event. Are you fucking kidding me? I feel like
3: in this string of shows, I feel like Vince just came out there and was like, do something. Just, just go out there, cameramen, follow people around, let them make their own interactions, and we'll make matches on the spot because we've got some matches picked out and predestined and preplanned, but pretty much we don't have a full card. I think we might have our opening match. We've got our promo set, obviously, and then maybe the main event sometimes. So just go around tell people do stuff. Okay. We'll pick which works and go from there.
2: Fuck it, we'll do it live. <laughs> but after that, we have a we have a cut to the back with one of the weirdest most out of place segments I've ever seen in my history of watching professional wrestling. We just see a random little person Come out of a cabinet and scare the ever loving fuck out of Stacey Keebler and cut like this promo for this camera that he's holding. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a paid,
3: very weird, yeah, it's a weird product
2: placement. (laughs) It's a commercial within a show for some random video camera that for some reason is marketed and sold on this TV show by a random little person hiding in a cabinet. As Stacey
3: Keebler is in a robe getting ready for a swimsuit or it was an underwear match
2: for Swim one of the two.
1: Competition.
2: Yeah. I yeah. will, I will so say the one accurate very... part about this whole thing, and I know that's like a, an oxymoron when you're talking about this segment, but there is one accurate thing. I guarantee you that is actually Vince's like not that he doesn't have a dressing room but like that's Vince's lounge area. Did you see on the bar like where normal people would put like <laughs> alcohol and like this their man. glasses this man had three <laughs> different kinds of protein powder
1: three sitting on top. Three different flavors of protein powder. <sighs> sitting on it top was of the chocolate, counter. vanilla and strawberry.
2: That's how you know that that is Why? the most accurate because. shit I've ever seen cuz Vince at this time was Like, I know he's always lifted, but, like, that that was peak. That was peak, Vince. I don't know. He likes variety. It's it's fucking weird. It makes no sense. He likes
1: variety in his protein
2: powder. But here's the thing. Why? Three full containers of whey protein. Why? Do you know how, how long it takes a meathead to go through one of those containers? Like, I know guys who lift and, like, lift, lift. For show muscle, solely to get bigger. That eat whey or like drink whey protein for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They bake it into shit. Do you have any idea how long it takes them to go through that shit? Like a week, week and a half. Why does he have three? They're not staying in this building. Those are his travel sizes. Is he making his? Is he making his own fucking Neapolitan fucking shake? I got shakes. Yeah, no. I, it hurts. You this are whole stressing thing
1: yourself. This
2: whole so segment. Much over. This whole segment just are, makes my brain hurt, and I feel like I'm gonna have a fucking aneurysm.
1: So yes, you are so stressed out about this man's whey protein that you are just you are gonna give yourself a heart attack. Chill. Fuck. All
2: right, let's let's, let's get off of this.
3: Mind you, at this time, Vince yep. was
2: 57 pushing 60.
1: That makes that makes the uh, mm-hmm. cookie thing even worse. Even creepier.
2: Uh, Okay. Let me rein back that a little bit. <laughs> Let's go to the, the... aggression.
3: <sighs> Next was another another promo of their get the F out with the foreseen burning the, the bush and Getting our Etch logo, and then we cut to our swimsuit I told Tyler he's
1: not allowed to do that to or, the bushes outside of our house.
3: I wish I could do that to the trees outside of my house. <laughs> oh, we have two giant gumball
2: trees in our backyard.
0: <laughs>
2: I hate them so much. <laughs> but swimsuit competition is cut short because Tajiri comes out and covers Tori to make sure that she can't show off her goods to the crowd.
3: It's late might I add.
2: Yeah, he does come out late. He does. He misses his cue. Definitely misses his cue. But after that, Stacy declares herself the winner and raises her own hand and gets ready to leave and then Trish's music plays. The Commentary team acknowledges that because there's only one women's champion, she is allowed to bounce back and forth between Raw and SmackDown. I do appreciate that. I do appreciate them going over that. Because otherwise, this kind of just seems like a Raw invasion thing that, like, Trish just showed up on SmackDown for no reason. Other than, like, her reason was to be on or in this swimsuit competition. Yeah, because at this
3: point there is no diva's title.
2: Also, doesn't this is another one of those that like doesn't really make sense? Why did she show up in her lingerie? Because she Tori, forgot
1: her swimsuit. But
2: no, 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 no. It's not that. Like I understand that whole thing, right? Like they did not buy enough time between when Tori got walked out by Tajiri and when Trish just shows up in a an overcoat and her lingerie. I am in the military, in boot camp. I was given two minutes to change from one full uniform to another full uniform. I can do that easily. I cannot get undressed as quickly as she would have had to get undressed after seeing Tori get walked out of the ring by Tajiri to be able to be dressed in that overcoat and ready to To play her music and come out by the time that she did. Because
3: that segment lasted, let's see.
2: All together had to last like five minutes.
3: 38. By the time Trish comes out, a minute. Literally a minute. No. 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 I don't buy it. They, well, it's actually actually less than that. If you want to go by the time that Tajeri and she leaves the ramp entirely, mm-hmm. it was less than a minute. But if we want to go by when Jerry comes out and covers her up, it's about a minute. That's it.
2: Yup. Anyway, following that segment where Trish shows up, says that there's going to be a competition, takes off her overcoat, Stacy talks shit. They get in a little schmazz, and uh, Trish hits Stacy with a chick kick, and then celebrates. And everybody things...
3: <laughs> was that even a chick kick, or was that just a,
2: a kick that I think... she oversold and then fell out of the ring? I mean, it, it might have just been a kick. I I put kick Stacy out, so I don't know. I I figured it was a chick kick, but like I'm not gonna because it was
3: it was just a. I, I, it was just, just a boot to her the
2: stomach. dodging a. a yeah, it was just a
3: boot to the stomach, and it looked like she just
2: stumbled out of yep. the ring. That doesn't surprise me. After that, Stacy apparently walks directly to the back, finds Vince, throws a fit, asks for a title match at Judgment Day. Vince says, "Absolutely, I'll give you whatever you want as long as we can employ the Devon protection or yeah, Devon protection fund or something like that." And yeah. Devon agrees and says that he will go to ringside with Batista to protect Stacy Keebler. Next up we have Rikishi versus Rico. Uh one of my wife's favorite people to comment on.
1: <laughs> Rikishi got cake. Oh my God!
3: Them Samoans built different. They all built. That
1: man different. has. That man has more ass than like, all three of us put together.
2: This is where I noticed. I think we we both noticed
3: because I, I I brought it up and I yeah. was like, "Is that?"
2: Yep. Like this is where I I noticed offhand. Uh, Teddy Long is the referee for this match, so a nice little. Easter egg in there for for the uh, long time time wrestling fans. Because
3: I completely forgot Teddy Long was a referee.
2: He was actually a referee in other companies before he came to WWE and then he got hired in WWE as a referee, then became a manager, then became general manager of SmackDown. But okay match, I guess. Uh, Billy and Chuck both try to get involved Billy throws Rikishi into the 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 ring post at one point Billy and Chuck try to interfere a little bit more after that they both jump in the ring and try to take out Rikishi he ends up kicking I think Chuck in the face Chuck rolls out yeah great
3: the chop kick
2: and then Chuck grabs Rikishi's arms, holds him against the ropes and then Billy goes to hit him Rikishi moves out of the way Billy hits Chuck Chuck takes a bump off the side Rikishi kicks Billy in the face, Billy rolls out and then Rico hits a spinning heel kick still looks beautiful it really was absolutely love his footwork, he's a great I, I said it last week, I'll say it again Rico Constantino is one of the most underrated pro wrestlers that's ever been. And, like, he was not treated the way he deserved. But he does the kick, and he tries to get a pin, doesn't get a pin, gets thrown off, tries to hit a sunset flip on Rikishi, and Rikishi just drops on Rico's chest Scores the one, two, three. That's a lot of man meat on your chest. Well, you know, what's That's a uh, whole lot of man on your chest? As the as the only member of the Alphabet Mafia on the podcast, what is your opinion of? Because they didn't really do a whole lot of interacting, so there's not really much for her to go off of. But what are what is your impression of Billy and Chuck and Rico?
1: I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I didn't catch a whole lot of it. I was just very confused by Rico's sideburns.
2: Oh, this this isn't even the worst. <laughs> you you want to talk confusion? You come back in about like mid 2003, mid to late 2003, early 2004. You will be very confused by Rico. Very very but confused.
1: I I I did notice some. Um,
2: I've seen strippers that don't wear as much tension as Rico Constantino did.
1: <laughs> i noticed some uh tension of the sexual persuasion and it was you, mildly awkward you should
2: have seen last week's. So. it was so much worse <laughs> last week but uh billy and chuck Great. are the i don't want to say the first because i'm not going to make that statement because i don't uh, somebody will tell me that i'm wrong but one of the first so are
1: they wrestlers yes
2: billy and chuck billy and chuck, billy and chuck are okay. both wrestlers they're actually the current tag team champions and Billy and Chuck are, it hasn't been addressed yet. I don't think. No. It is heavily implied that Billy and Chuck are a gay couple. That are a tag team. And right on. It gets very, very out of hand, very, very quickly. It is a, it is not a great time for political correctness in 2002. No. But we just wanted to get your idea. Well, we'll maybe <laughs> it, we'll probably have you on the Judgment Day pay-per-view uh recap, so maybe you'll get to see a little bit more of Rico and and Billy and Chuck. I absolutely love Billy and Chuck just because of where the story goes like knowing how this story ends i absolutely love it and i just i look forward to seeing the end like seeing it through to the end it's going to be so much fun after that we have a triple h and jericho package about hell in a cell then billy and chuck and rico burst into vince's office as he's trying to console stacy trying to get that cookie (laughs) He is. I wrote Billy and Chuck interrupt Vince being creepy. Vince, <laughs> yeah. Vince announces, uh, "Billy and Chuck will put on the, put their world tag titles on the line against Rikishi and a partner of Vince's choosing." Then we have the Triple H promo out in the ring. He says that Jericho should ask Foley about Hell in a Cell, referencing earlier the previous year in 2001 when they had their Hell in a Cell match, and Triple H quote unquote retired Mick Foley, and then like three months later Foley came back and was in the main event of WrestleMania against Triple H. But we don't talk about that. Uh, that I think so that I was going to say at this point. I think that was Foley's first um, retirement.
3: Yeah. Um I believe at this point Triple H between the two Triple H was the only one that had a Hell in a Cell match if I'm correct I think.
2: Yeah, cuz Jericho hadn't been in one before. I don't know. I don't know if Jericho's been in one since, honestly. But Edge comes out again and brings up Hunter sleeping his way to the top, which I thought was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I told Michelle like uh she doesn't know a whole lot about what goes on behind the scenes. So I told her about the fact that like, that's not, that's not a storyline thing. That's not like they're, you know, talking about a story that had happened. That's a legitimate thing. Like that's what Hunter did. Hunter married the boss's daughter and then became world champion. Like, no, he was world champion before, but like he didn't become like a super mega star until after he was with Stephanie. So I thought that was funny. I explained that to her. And then I, again, I'm writing notes and I'm thinking that I'm going to know what the fuck I'm talking about. I just, it just says Hunter says do it after the match. I don't know what the fuck. I think he's talking to Edge and he's, Edge is saying, like, basically go to him into a fight. And Hunter's like, yeah, I don't, like, we got bigger fish to fry. I think, I don't know. Up next, we have arguably one of the best cruiserweight matches i've seen in a long
3: yeah and this is why the hurricane is the best no discredit to Jerry cuz tjery is a
2: tjery is a, dude. just a beast don't know and don't fucking count out kidman either man like kidman is a solid no kid, kid solid kid. wrestler he just has no personality
3: yeah like all three of these guys are great for, they are, Hurricane they are has great.
2: a ton of personality. Tajiri's personality is he's Japanese. That's it. And then Kidman just has no personality. Like that's I, I don't ever remember a storyline or a character, a gimmick, or whatever that Kidman was involved in or that he did or had that resonates with me that I remember. Like I did. I don't remember. I don't think he ever had. I one. neither do I.
3: I. I think he was just. A cruiserweight wrestler. Yeah, that was it. Yeah,
2: that was it. And he was champion, like, multiple times. He was just that damn good. And they didn't really have that many cruiserweights at this time. Um, Can confirm they are still using the WCW cruiserweight title because the fucking side plates say WCW. Sitting here calling it the WWE title, but it blatantly, like, is on screen. You see it says WCW.
3: Was the was the center plate still the right plate, or did they change the middle and then forgot the side plates?
2: Nope. It's still it's just the the it's just the WCW title. The WCW cruiserweight title. Um we start with a jump start without Hurricane, so Kidman and Tajiri kinda go at it. And then Hurricane comes out and they talk about like, oh, the Hurricane realized he needs to get down here. And I don't know if Michelle has any notes about this match. Nope. But I do remember her watching this match and having a lot of reactions to at least Tajiri's kicks. Oh, yeah, that man's kicks.
3: I would not want to get into a foot match with this man. I
2: think just the sound of it, like she wasn't really paying attention at this point, but I think the sound of it, like that... His pants are not leather. They're some kind of plastic, mm-hmm. but his pants, when they would hit, like when they would connect with somebody's chest, would just make a huge, loud popping noise, and make it sound way worse than it was. And it, like, I specifically remember he hit one kick to somebody's chest, and she would just like stopped, and she was like, ah. ah, 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 ah. <laughs>
1: God damn.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I think one of the best sellers for kicks is to Jerry. Oh, absolutely. And I don't know if that's just the way he did them or if it was his pants or what, but his kicks sounded like they hurt. Yeah. Like 100%. a lot.
2: But we do see a perfect example of a shooting star press from Billy Kidman. And Mm -hmm. Michelle watched it and was like, oh, she was like, what the hell was that? And I was like, you know, that move that Brock tried to hit and he landed on his forehead. And she's like, yeah, I was like, that's what it was supposed to look like. She's like, oh, yeah, that looked really nice. (laughs) All I could
1: think is Brock is a big man to Mm -hmm. be trying to do that, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. move. That's a whole lot of muscle mass to be swinging (laughs) around.
3: And again, oh, no. he used to do that on a regular and did it right.
1: Yeah. Was he smaller no. than no. the same he was,
3: he was the same size. size? So it was just before he I don't it was before he got to the WWE. He would do that on a constant basis. That's was one of his moves in his skill set that he would do every match.
2: Even though they and kept telling him got, not to do it because they're like, hey, a guy your size shouldn't fucking do that. And he's like, Haha, yeah. fuck you.
3: I'm going to do it. That's anyway. what
1: you think. <laughs> and then
3: he got to WrestleMania and tried it because I don't think up until that point he had ever done it. Nope. So then I guess he was just trying to be like, hey, this is my big WrestleMania moment. This is one of the tricks I've got in the bag that I've used to do that was like, holy shit. He's doing that. I'm going to pull it out and did not go
2: as planned. It was definitely a <laughs> WrestleMania moment. Yeah. It, it, I like, that I, is a WrestleMania moment that gets replayed to this day, and it was 21 years ago.
3: And I think to the credit of the, the moment, mm-hmm. I don't think it would have been as impactful if he didn't mess it up.
2: I I, don't I feel know. like
3: because he messed it up, it made it more popular. Like it still would have been a great moment to have, but I don't think it would have been as big if he didn't mess it up.
2: But look at it from this perspective. If he had hit it beautifully, if he did it perfectly and then covered angle and then angle kicked out, that moment would have been just as big Yeah, I'm not saying bigger because like you see a 295 pound man try to do a shooting star press and land on his fucking forehead. It's a big moment, but yeah, it it would have been at least that big because it would have helped push the story along. It would I don't know that it would have been as memorable, but it definitely would have been as big in the moment. When it happened.
3: I feel like as far as being memorable. I think it would have. It would have been one of those. Like segue memories into. Oh. He did this. This was the big move that he attempted. And Stone Cold still kicked out of it. Yep, And then proceeded to do this. So it still would have been big. It just. The fact that he messed it up. Is just what I guess like put it over the top.
2: I remember watching that match. And. I watched it with Michelle and I told her, I'm like, there there's a, there's a rule I have when I know something huge is about to happen. I will look at her and I will fucking stare a hole in the side of her head. If she's playing on her phone until she puts her fucking phone down. Cause I'm like, you need to watch. Like I get that this is not really your thing and you don't really enjoy it. Like I do, but I need you to pay attention.
3: The big moments we need, we need you here.
2: Exactly. We need you We need you right here, right? Look at me right here. So I showed her that and she like, just her eyes went the size of half dollars and her mouth, her jaw hit the floor and she's watching it. And I said, now watch this. And after the, like, he does that, and then they continue the match for, like, another two to three minutes Mm -hmm. after that. And once he wins, there's a moment where he's sitting, literally sitting on his ass, has one arm up on the middle rope, and has the belt draped across his stomach, and he is looking out in the crowd. This man is all pupil. He doesn't have whites in his eyes. His pupils are so (laughs) fucking big. This
1: man... Has no idea where he is, who, who he, he is. <laughs> he is gone. gone. He is
2: on planet Stasiac. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he got beamed up at that he point. Got, <laughs> <he was laughs> Scotty don't beam him the fuck up. He is <laughs> gone.
3: Like, I would be surprised if, or I wouldn't be surprised if he don't remember that. Ending I, of that match entirely.
2: I think I've seen interviews with him Didn't where he's like, say? "I don't fucking remember a thing." <laughs> like,
1: I don't know what happened, but because he's, I was like, there. All I remember, I remember
3: is going up in the air. I saw the, the, the <laughs> arena come around, and then nothing. <laughs> and then next, how it? the yeah. next day, they're like, "Yeah, you're champion," and I'm like, "How?
1: No, how the." F- fuck did that happen? I remember him
2: talk I remember him doing an interview and he talked about it and he said he came to in the back after he had already left the ring show was over everything was done he had already celebrated and everything he somehow this motherfucker walked to the back with a grade three concussion walk to the That's back what we and
3: call autopilot people
2: posted up on one of those like geared trunk cases they have just sat on there and somebody came up and was like talking to him and like they were making sure he was all there and that's when he remembers coming too getting back to the cruiserweight match where billy kidman hits the pu- the shooting star press uh go back and forth they go back and forth a little bit more hurricane ends up winning with a uh what, what? What's it called, Tehran? What is uh? What what is what does Hurricane call it?
3: Isn't it his Hurra-Slam? slam?
2: It is. It is because he's special. You know, <laughs> he's got to be special and call it the fucking hurrah slam. Of course. After that, we have a Judgment Day rundown, and <laughs> we uh, just go over the card one more time before trying to run up the sales, like, hey, come buy this pay-per-view, like, come with us, come on, let's go. Then did they cut to Hogan in the back after this?
3: Uh, No, he's coming down to the ramp.
2: Okay. Well, or I, it,
3: They cut him to the back, and he's got the, uh, very slightly, it's uh, I think right before commercial, mm-hmm. where he's sleep limping to yeah. the ring.
2: And he's actually carrying yeah. the title. I know, because I wrote it down here, yeah. and it says Hogan actually mm-hmm. carries the title. I was very surprised. I was was amazed that he actually had the capacity to do such a thing. It looks like all you have to do is um, drag him behind a motorcycle and crash him into some boxes and some pipes, and he'll finally carry the fucking title that he's been, you know, awarded.
3: (laughs) That was the (laughs) how many times you have got to teach him this lesson, old man. Oh, my
2: God.
1: (laughs)
3: <laughs> oh but getting into this this segment with hulk hogan and his my foot's asleep limp to the ring that was I, i'm pretty sure it was about five minutes long for him to get down to the ring that segment takes, that entire he takes segment five
2: fucking minutes to start talking
3: yeah that entire segment oh my
2: God. from
3: beginning to the end or at least up until the
2: next match hmm 20 minutes that does not surprise me at all does not surprise me at all because here's yeah. what happened it took him five minutes to get down to the ring then it took him five minutes to start fucking talking then he talked for five minutes then vince cut him off walked down to the ring and then vince talked for five minutes
3: it was that i looked at that and i was like that in case
2: anybody can't fucking tell fucking from the last wrong. couple of weeks of like podcasting i <laughs> loathe pretty much everything that hulk hogan does like, so much. It, it just infuriates ridiculous. me. Ridiculous. So let's see. I don't
1: know what this man did to you. He's
2: arguably, arguably just a terrible human being. It's a horrible person.
0: He
3: starts talking at one hour and seven minutes.
2: I, like, it was long enough that it, like, I understand getting uh, a reaction and, like, letting the fans do what they're going to do. But, like, it talked long enough, and I've seen enough of these. It took long enough for me to write down, in all caps, TALK, GOD damn it! And then
3: he starts talking at an hour and seven. Vince comes out at an hour ten. ten.
2: Uh, in those three minutes, did anybody else notice that he said 911 and not 911? <clears throat> he yes. He was talking about 911.
1: I did notice that.
2: And said the words 911. <laughs> then... Vince interrupts. Uh, says he enjoyed watching Taker drag Hogan. Says you're an empty shell of what you were. I created Hulkamania, and I can destroy it. And then he slaps Hogan across the face. And then Hogan hits his five moves to do. Did I did I miss anything of substance? Did anything happen that I didn't cover?
3: Nothing worth noting.
2: Okay, moving on. So we finally get to the main event of SmackDown we have angle and jericho versus edge and triple h we have a ju- another jump start without somebody who's in the fucking match edge for some reason jumps into the ring and starts trying to take on jericho and angle by himself for some fucking reason
3: i, I, I think that was to upshow triple h i think because the, the, their internal yeah. feud, I guess he was trying to show up Triple H where I can take both of these guys without you, and then immediately starts getting his ass kicked.
2: We have a couple different things, a couple different spots I put down. Uh, there's the typical angle belly to belly off the top rope, which always looks good. Um, with a failed lion salt from Jericho.
3: Yeah. That was that that belly or yeah belly to belly off the top rope was after Edge's not bad flying heel kick that one mm-hmm. that
2: one too bad yeah in last week's episode it was stuff like that that made me write the comment of like young Edge is super bouncy yeah because he's just like hitting flippy wheel kick shit and like bouncing off the mat and getting back up and going around and doing everything and I'm like old Edge would not be doing this old edge can't do that
3: mate he might be able to do some of it at his age now if it wasn't for his neck I, they they have to be very gentle with him they still do a lot of stuff with him but they 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 to do a, they got to be a lot more safe with him than anyone else
2: jericho hits the three amigos i don't remember cuz i've watched quite a bit of wrestling lately i don't remember if he did it Backwards, to where like he hit it and then brought the guy up the wrong way, and it just looked awkward. Or if that was somebody else, but I I, I think remember that was Jericho. He hits I think because I think he he hits it and instead of rolling to the side where his free arm is at, he rolls towards the guy's head. And stands mm-hmm. him up it's that Jericho. way. And it's just it's weird. It looks really weird. It doesn't look good.
3: It looks it looks very awkward.
2: And then uh Hunter back in the day, Hunter hits a beautiful spine buster. Like, we're talking Arn Anderson enforcer spine buster his
3: his spine buster back then gorgeous he got a lot of height Mm -hmm. on that and
2: then hunter pushes jericho into the ref on the outside then we have a chair shot countered into a spear or sorry not into a spear. We have the chair shot counter to the spear. So Edge lines up, tries to hit Angle with a spear, and just gets fucking annihilated with a chair.
3: That, that was one of Edge's biggest big. I think that what I want to say that's one of his two go or go to spots mm-hmm. is the the spear chair counter.
2: Yeah, because he just would go at it and just run right through it.
3: Cause I don't think I don't think Rhino had any of those spots. I think it was solely Edge. Yeah. That they love doing that spot for.
2: Yeah. The only time I've ever seen anything close to that was when uh Triple H and Goldberg had their matches, Triple H would pull out his sledgehammer and use his sledgehammer as a counter And, like, Mm -hmm. basically step out of the way of Goldberg and then, like, hit him in the side of the head with the sledgehammer as Goldberg went by. But after the chair shot to the head, Hunter and Jericho fight off. After the chair chair shot to the head, Angle hits the Angle slam, and Angle and Jericho win, bringing our second week completely to fruition. We are at... Four hours of recording, probably an hour of that will get cut right off the bat. <laughs> so I'd say we did pretty well on time, even though we started a little late, uh, a little later than we wanted to. But I'd say we did a pretty good job this week of staying on time. I don't know what the final count for this is going to be, but I feel like it's it's going to be manageable. It's not going to be a four hour edited version from nine hours of recording (laughs) so that being said the only
3: thing i wanted to mention Mm -hmm. was did anyone else notice that the lock of hair that uh kurt angle had Mm -hmm. was neatly braided yep (laughs) he braided it yep i'm just very confused I'm just... And then it—I I know it was actually his hair because that they couldn't fucking, you know. Play I know that they often. cut
2: off cut his, his hair, hair, but I don't know that the braid was his hair. I feel like that was yeah. a prop that they might have made because
3: it looks darker than his actual yeah. hair.
2: I, I definitely think that was a prop. May not have been. I could be completely wrong, but it's who knows.
3: I don't think I would I don't think I would be the one braiding hair that's not attached to someone's
2: head. Nope. <laughs> but to wrap this all up, Taron, you have any closing statements, any closing arguments, any anything we missed, anything you want to talk about? Anything you want to say before we sign off on this?
3: Nope, I think that was that was pretty pretty much it. Um it was definitely an experience with having michelle on but it was a good experience it was definitely um one that i would we're gonna have again you're gonna be another guest again
1: so
3: <laughs> you'll be back
2: don't worry i think Well,
1: thank uh, you guys so much
2: i think we uh i think we've decided that the three of us just need to record our own podcast about just life in general um we just let us on... go
1: off on our tangents yeah
2: yeah we'll just yeah. do podcast call shit shit happens shit happens there we go that being said Let's kick it over to Michelle. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Anything else you wanted to say? Any closing thoughts you had? You know, what's your, what's your opinion of what you had to sit through? I say got to sit through. You say had to sit through for this week's episodes.
1: So I don't say had to sit through. Um, I do enjoy watching wrestling. Um, cause it is something that we can, we can do together. It might not always pique my interest all the time. And I might get a little, you know, ADHD in the middle and zone out or whatever, but it is a lot of fun seeing it. And like, um, now looking back, like seeing how my brother might have seen everything cause he was a big wrestling fan, but with him having been like over a decade older than me. We didn't get to share that experience. Um, so it's really cool that I, as an adult, I get to watch this stuff and I get to see it with my husband and like get to do stuff like this and be able to share my very limited opinion <laughs> on, on something like this. And it's really cool. And thank you guys so much for having me.
2: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, of course we, we loved having you on. I know I enjoyed it Uh, It's definitely something that as soon as I came up with the idea for this podcast, I definitely wanted to do was have at least one episode where you came in because we've watched wrestling together before. And I think this is a way to get you more engaged because you have to pay attention to everything that's going on because you're going to have to listen to us talk about it on the back end. So you might as well be, it might as well be something that you can, Put in your two cents about what's going on, than just me and Tehran sitting and talking about it and and going over your head, kind of like we, the tangents that we went off on a little bit earlier in the episode. But after all of that, uh, I do want to say <laughs> I do want to say thank you for coming on, and I really appreciate you coming on. I'm glad that you had fun. I'm glad that you enjoyed not only being on the podcast talking about this and listening to me and Tehran bullshit but also enjoyed watching them and uh not cursing my name like Theo does because now Theo is pissed off that he can form opinions about professional wrestling which is something he never <laughs> thought he would be able to do. Now I I'm glad that you're starting to see things that you enjoy in professional wrestling. I'm glad I'm glad you have fun watching it. I'm glad that you
0: mm-hmm.
2: see it as something that we can do together and it's something that like you look forward to or can enjoy in the moment even if you don't look forward to it as opposed to like what I would assume a lot of women if they were to sit down and and do something like this with their husbands they would feel like they were dragged into it.
1: I mean, I'll be honest, that's how I how it used to be with my ex, but um I mean, I feel like I can actually ask questions without having you look at me like I'm stupid or like it's a dumb question cuz you understand like okay, She doesn't know that much about professional wrestling. Like, she wants to learn. I am actively trying to learn about something that you like.
2: No, and, and like, I... Don't get me wrong. Like, unless you just out of nowhere ask the dumbest possible, like, conceivable question in my mind, which I've never seen anybody do, nobody can sit down and watch professional wrestling with me And be in any fear of, like, that I'm going to think you're stupid or that I'm going to, like, give you shit for not knowing something that you, like, that I don't know. Because, again, I've told you this. I've told Theo. I've told a ton of people this. I have been a professional wrestling fan for almost 30 years of my life. Like, I have been watching the WWE since the Monday after I came home from the hospital. And I haven't stopped since the longest period of time I've gone without watching professional wrestling were the eight or nine months that I was on deployment. And even then I had episodes of dark side of the ring that I was watching while I was gone. Mm -hmm. And even then we got AFN channels that would play professional wrestling. They would play raw. They would play SmackDown the day after it aired in the U S so for me, It's always been a huge part of my life. So I don't expect that anybody's going to know half or even a quarter of what I know just off the top of their head. I like, I have, I do not have an encyclopedic knowledge of a lot of things in my life. But professional wrestling is one of those things that I very much do when it comes to a lot of different things. I enjoy it. It's always been a huge part of my life, and that's the reason that I started this podcast, because it gives me the opportunity to live through, relive myself, relive through these, this period of time, but also live through it and watch somebody experience it for the first time. And I think that's something that, like, is a really cool concept of, like, watching somebody as a full-grown adult relive through these things, or live through these things that I'm reliving through. like re Watching someone as a full-grown adult live through my childhood.
1: What you grew with, up, yeah.
2: Yeah, my childhood. My whole, like, my core memories are centered around this time period, and you're just now getting to see it. It also doesn't necessarily help that a lot of this stuff I'm going to have to apologize for on the back end and be like, yeah, I mean it happened and we can't really control that, but like there's other stuff that still, yeah, there's some stuff There's like stuff. other stuff that I'm like, okay, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I will back this till the day that I die and I will, this holds up till today. So I appreciate you for stepping in and I appreciate you taking Theo's spot for the week and being more than a, a, a good sport listening to me and to Ron babble about shit that you have no idea what we're talking about <laughs> just because it makes us happy. Absolutely none. <laughs> I don't know if we know what we're talking about half the time, but <sighs>
3: sometimes we're just over here. We're just, just talking. here.
2: We're just talking, you know,
1: just, just talking to talk,
2: but <laughs> that being said, all of that being said, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for Investing your time in this podcast. We hope to see you guys back here next week. If there are no more bitches, gripes, complaints, but pisses, moans, questions, comments, concerns, I am going to sign off for Michelle, for Tehran, for Theo who couldn't be here. This has been the era of Ruthless Aggression podcast. I've been Tyler. Goodbye.
0: Goodbye.